Greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie related show on the planet Earth, the John Cambia Show, coming from right here on my YouTube channel, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I am, of course, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies and movie news, TV and streaming, and all sorts of good stuff. we got a great lineup here today. First of all, sitting right here, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Right beside him is... Christian Harloff is here gracing us with his presence. Ray's, yeah, Ray's... Uh, Don't you slow clap me. Ray's favorite guy. <laughs> Ray Eller is here. Of course, sitting right beside Ray, running the show today, Jonathan Boyko. And Taylor Gonzalez is over there as well with... Uh, what the hell is that on your lap? Oh, it's bring your child to work day, so I brought Shrek with me. Uh, is that why I'm Shrek. here? And most importantly... You guys are here. Thank you so much for being here and making the show part of your day. Here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to break it into two parts. The first half of the show, we're going to talk about some predetermined topics. Then in the second part of the show, we're going to take your live comments and questions. When we get to the end of the main topics, we'll announce that we're opening up the Super Chats. That will be your time that you can fire in your thoughts and opinions and questions, and we will address those in the second part of the show. All right. I was also going to let you guys know a little bit of a programming note. I had mentioned yesterday that I'd be doing an Avatar open spoiler discussion today that is actually going to happen tomorrow we've got a full day around here so our avatar way of water open spoiler discussion will be late tomorrow afternoon so we will update you with the exact time of that a little bit later all right guys with that all down we got a whole bunch to talk about here so let's get into a couple of off the tops and the first one is this Obviously, the big story in the world of movie fandom and everything right now is everything that's going on at DC. Clearly, they're in the middle of a total reshuffle, whether that's going to be a full reboot, a soft reboot, whatever it's going to be. They got a lot of changes coming, and we are eagerly anticipating January, February to get here so Peter Safran and James Gunn can start telling us about some of these active changes. We know some of the things that are being taken away, but what are the things that are going to be added? We'll find that out shortly. Now... Obviously, a lot of theories have been going around, like it's going to be an absolute complete page one reboot start to finish. Some people think it'll be mostly a reboot, but they're going to keep a couple of pieces around. One predominant theory was that James Gunn is going to keep his Suicide Squad. Now, that's one of the more popular ones that we saw running around, that James Gunn will reboot the DCU except the Suicide Squad because it was a critical darling and all that kind of stuff. Peacemaker was a part of that, and Peacemaker was the number one show in the world while it was running. So they're going to do all that. Well, James Gunn, while he's not giving us a lot of new details about what is coming, he's been pretty active about debunking fake rumors, and he's come out to debunk this one. Uh, this one's over on CBR, but James Gunn has now officially debunked the idea that, specifically, that he was going to reboot everything in the DCU except for the Suicide Squad. In response to a Twitter user asking him, or who made this comment, who knows if it's true, but recasting all the main DCU characters, but keeping some. Will be interesting how Peacemaker and the Suicide Squad characters live on, but the others don't, particularly when they have all interacted together. Now, James Gunn followed it up by saying this specifically. I keep seeing posts with this untrue theory. We are not recasting everyone except the Suicide Squad. All right, I'll read that part again. I keep seeing posts with this untrue theory that they're going to recast everything except James Gunn's Suicide Squad. Uh, this is an untrue theory. We are not recasting everyone except the Suicide Squad. Okay. James Gunn bringing in some clarification, but not a lot. Because, okay, you're not recasting everyone except the Suicide Squad. Okay. But he doesn't actually tell us, does that mean you 
aren't recasting everyone and Suicide Squad will be kept in place and some others? Are you saying everyone is being recast and Suicide Squad is not immune to that? So again, he debunked a very specific rumor that everyone is getting recast except Suicide Squad, but he's not real clear on that, which is fair. He should be vague right now, but still, does this mean Suicide Squad is getting recast? We don't know. This tweet doesn't actually answer that. Is everybody else getting recast? We don't know. This tweet doesn't actually answer that. All we know is that it's not going to be everybody else except Suicide Squad. Rob, this brings up the question again that we've been kind of batting around here for a while, and we probably will continue to bat around till mid-January <laughs> or February. Obviously, big changes coming to DC. Big changes. But is it a total, complete, page one, clean slate reboot is this something a little bit short of that? I have thought for a long time, well, it can't be 100% because we know they're going to do Peacemaker Season 2. All you have to do is retcon a couple of minor things in, in there and you can do it. But then you brought up very wisely yesterday on the show that, well, no, 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 no. They can get Peacemaker Season 2 out before the reboot happens and then still reboot everything. So I don't know. At this point, seeing now this tweet from James Gunn, <laughs> what do you think about, how do you interpret James Gunn's tweet here and... Is it going to be a complete clean slate? Is it going to be clean slate, sort of, but they're going to bring some pieces over? What do you take at this point? Well, I would say first, you have to look at, I, I mean, it, this this is a business. It's all about what has made money. Aquaman, I would look to Aquaman and go, okay, Aquaman made a billion dollars. They have Aquaman, the Lost Kingdom, which, by the way, was finished a long time ago. They're deep, deep, deep into the post on that movie. They know if it's great or not. Well, if it looks to be as great as the first movie... Why would you get rid of a billion-dollar franchise? I mean, if the movie, uh, reboot or not, from a studio perspective, you've already reached that billion-dollar level with the first movie. There's no reason to suspect if the next movie is great. It's also James Wan and Peter Safran producing. Why would a producer want to get rid of that franchise? Especially if they're looking at it going, great, let's make a third one. You know, so I could absolutely see, and we've already had Jason Momoa say, Thank you, James Gunn. Everyone's like, oh, he's going to play Lobo. I would say that James Gunn's knowing, no, we're going to finish your Aquaman trilogy. We're going we're gonna to finish that. We're going to give you that Aquaman movie, and then maybe you'll be Logo. Who knows? Because why would you dump that? And I would even say this, John. As, as much as Wonder Woman 84 was, I hated it, and it obviously didn't do well. The first one did well. The first one was so great. If so, they didn't like Patty Jenkins, her take on it. But remember, she didn't even develop the first Aquaman. I mean, the first Wonder Woman. She stepped in and took over. So, Gal Gadot. People like Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. Maybe they have plans to do, do they? Well, <laughs> I mean, I would say the first one was majority. Pretty, majority. <laughs> but but I would say I, I would I would say look and also Peacemaker. You know they're getting that season two. So in addition to the the DC reboot will happen with Superman, as we know. James Gunn's writing it. But that reboot might come at the end of 2024 or even the beginning of 2025. They might just say, reboot time is 2025. We're going to get another Aquaman in. We're going to get another Wonder Woman movie in. We're getting Peacemaker in. We might even make another Suicide Squad yeah, I film can't, in. I can't see that happening. I mean, I don't know if they're going to do all of it, but why would you get rid of Aquaman? Because it's part of a bigger machine that's not working. Well, but that worked. That one Aqu piece. Aquaman, yes. Yeah, so I'm but saying do that you, do, you, do you pump the brakes on the entire operation that is not working? 
because one piece is working? I, I don't know. I mean, well, the same argument can be made for Henry Cavill because everybody, yeah. maybe Man of Steel itself, I, I mean, you and I both really love Man of Steel, right? Now, all, Man, three, all three of us the, love the, Man of Steel. But, but the thing with Man of Steel, the difference with Henry Cavill is that even though that movie made, what, let's say, a disappointing 500 million, which is still good, a good number, by the ill will that from a lot of people from getting rid of him already, it has done, if you're going to make a move like that you got to make a move all in because if you because then people are going to go well wait a minute you're keeping aquaman but you got rid of henry cavill henry cavill is a piece that was working maybe his movies and batman and superman he didn't get a chance to shine in the way that he yeah. did but henry cavill was working henry cavill was the piece that was getting everyone excited i still think that they could have done something inside of like a, a different timeline to bring him back i understand I'm, I'm with you john in the fact that i think that i'm really bummed that he's gone i understand why they made the choice but i still think they could have made it work but they don't want to go in that direction but, i think that's the same thing with with patty jenkins and aquaman and all that but i but i think the thing about the aquaman movie made a billion dollars regardless it did it, it did well and made sure. money and a, and a studio is not see the thing is we have to think in these terms from a only a business perspective and none of the henry cavill movies ever achieved the kind of box office that they were expected to achieve ever right. And so it just becomes an academic argument. I love him. We all love Henry. We love Henry Cavill. There's two sides of it, too, though. There's also another side of this that the, the rumors were inside, or, or more of a, even a report with Patty Jenkins when she came in and said, okay, I have, here's, the, here's the, what I have. And they said, well, we're going in this particular direction, and can you make this work, whatever, whatever, whatever the conflicting reports are. But it, it looked like they were still willing to have a conversation with her at some point about doing the, right. the next movie. So maybe that could, maybe you're right. Maybe that could be a case in where they're saying to James Wan, hey, we want to take Aquaman in this direction. Do you think that you can make that work? That's possible. I just think if you're going to make that move with Henry Cavill and, you're, and you already know, because if you see James Gunn's tweets, he knew this kind of thing. He knew this wave of, of backlash was coming. You got to be prepared for that because of how beloved Henry Cavill um, was, is. So, if you're gonna do it, just brace for the hit. Now, I understand your your argument with with the with the box office, the money, but the other idea of that is to 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 believe in the product that you have moving forward. Saying, okay, yes, we have a movie that can make a billion dollars. This one could as well. I don't think they're gonna go past um, the the because they they had said after Aquaman is when their phase is gonna start. Mm -hmm. Now, I still think that it's you know it's a risk because there are a lot of people going, why why am I getting invested in these movies if they're not gonna have anything to do with this new DC. You movie, and I guess the argument can be made then. Well, the Batman doesn't have anything to do with the the DCU, so you go because you want to see the story that these creators were telling. Um, so, but I understand also the the other side of it of people going, but I'm not being rewarded anymore. I thought I was being rewarded by seeing by by being attached to these characters because I want to see where they're going to go next. If they leave me with this cliffhanger at the end of this thing, where am I going? I get that. I understand that. So it's a very tricky situation that they're in right now. But it's only a tricky situation for a very small percentage of the audience because most moviegoers don't care. I agree with you. Yeah, but, you know, but, but I mean, loud voices. That, that's the point, though, exactly, Rob. Most moviegoers, most moviegoers have not bought into the DCU as it is. And, and I don't know. I mean, I, I've been seeing this song for a while. I don't know that you can go, well, if the whole thing, if the whole thing is a sick donkey, you, you put the donkey down. You don't go, well, you know what? Its liver still works really well. I, and I think you're talking about it's about business, right? Aquaman's better, not sick. It, well, here's the problem, but it's a part of a larger right. organism that is. It, it, and right. are you holding back good business by trying to hold on to one small piece? Because one $1 billion film is not equivalent 
to four $800 million films. You know what I mean? And I think if, if you are going to hurt your relaunch by trying to keep, and you bring up a great point, you get rid of Henry Cavill, my boy, but you keep Jason Momoa? I mean, that becomes very problematic for them. Uh, what about Shazam? Uh, what about Shazam? Yeah, but, well, Shazam's but, gone too. Right. But, here's, That's what I mean. but here's, right. here's the thing. Here's the thing. There's only, just, just quickly, though, because we got to oh, move There's on. only one Aquaman movie, and it made a billion dollars. Yeah, right. the next one won't. But the next one won't. How do you know? What because, if it's great? Because the audience was not as. I mean, of course, a fucking Peppa the Pig movie could make a billion dollars. Hey, Peppa. Great. My kids but love Peppa. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> how do you know? Well, well, we don't, but look, odds are. Is anybody willing to put $1,000 right now that the next. Now, remember. I completely didn't believe the first Aquaman movie would make a billion dollars, uh, and it did. So uh, keep that. I'm in mind. willing to bet the next Aquaman movie will make a billion dollars. There's really? no reason to think it won't. Everybody loves jumping in muddy puddles. Yeah, it, it was not as well. Like it made a billion dollars, but it wasn't super well received. Chris just checked out. It wasn't super well received. <laughs> uh, anyway, I think a billion dollars proves that it was. Uh, Transformers movie made a billion dollars. It was not super well received. So no, it doesn't prove. Well, that it, it wasn't super well received among the. I mean, fan you and I base. liked it. You and I, I liked loved it. Aquaman. A lot of people did, but I, I don't think the next one's going to make a billion uh, dollars. Are you going to see Peppa Pig in the theaters? Uh, no. All right. Anyway, guys, the question is for you. James Gunn's tweet here raises the question again: What kind of a re? Obviously, we're getting some kind of restart. But what kind of a restart? Will it be a full-blown page one blank slate restart? Will it be a pseudo restart where certain pieces get left in place? Do they still try to function and utilize and leverage, say, a Flashpoint movie to do such a soft reboot? I mean, there's still a lot of big questions in the air. What do you think is going to be happening here? Jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's do another off the top here, shall we? And that one is this. You know, we're getting close now to 2023. So, of course, the season is here. We're going to see, oh, we're already starting to see it. And you're going to see a lot. All the online movie pundits, including us next week, are going to be putting together their most anticipated films of 2023 list. Well, one of the major hubs for movie fans, Fandango, the place where most Americans go to get their movie tickets, has just done a survey amongst their viewership and their readers as to what are the, indeed, most anticipated movies of 2023, according to their readers. And the results, in some places, are a little predictable, but in other places, are actually kind of surprising to me. So let's go over to the classroom here and take a look at the results of what they had as their most anticipated. Okay, we're going to start at number 10. Number 10 is actually the Super Mario Brothers movie, which I'm not... Look, I'm getting kind of excited to see this. I... I honestly didn't think a lot of other people were going to be excited to see it, but as of right now, it is the number 10 most anticipated according to this thing. Uh, at number nine, Creed 3 is, according to this list, the number nine most anticipated movie. Of course, the first two Creed movies did not make tons of money, but they were good. They <laughs> were good movies. List, John. This is Ray's list. What's that? Uh, this is your list. The Fandango slash Ray Aura list. All right. At number eight, let's see if it continues. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, according to the list, is the eighth most anticipated film. We were just talking about that a lot yesterday, and we're going to be talking more about it in the days to come. Coming in at number six, speaking of the... What's that? Oh, sorry. Coming in at number seven. Thank you. Oh, wait. I did that wrong then. I'm sorry. I did this wrong. Number eight was not Mission Impossible. Uh, Mission Impossible was actually number nine. The real number eight was or is number seven the real number eight is hunger games oh, nice. uh the ballad of songbirds and snakes which tells me that 
hey, you know what? A lot of us underestimate just how many fans and people loved Hunger Games and are indeed excited about it because apparently they're more excited for it than Creed 3 or Super Mario Brothers, but still, there you go. So number seven is Mission Impossible. Uh, or, or yes, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning. That's there. Okay, now we get into number six. At number six, speaking of conversations we were just having, we've got Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom is the number six most anticipated movie of the year. That, of course, is coming out on Christmas Day in 2023. That takes up the number six spot. Okay. At number five, as I just try to copy and paste this, I'm having a hard time here. At number five, I just watched the trailer for the first time. I just watched the trailer on the big screen. Seen the trailer, right? I've never saw on the big screen. Indiana Jones... And the Dial of Destiny, number five. By the way, the theater I was in watching Avatar yesterday, audience went nuts when the Indiana Jones trailer played. They went absolutely crazy. All right. Now we're in the top five here, and we go into number four, and I love this. John Wick, chapter four. Awesome. It's, you know, it's so funny seeing, you know, the first movie this franchise made a couple hundred million dollars. For it now to be like, listed in the most anticipated over films like Indiana Jones, Aquaman, Mission Impossible, Creed, Mario Brothers. That's pretty damn cool. So John Wick, Chapter 4, is our number four most anticipated movie of the year. Okay, now into the top three. I think we have a good sense of what's in there, but what order? Well, at number three, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Uh, According to the Fandango survey where movie movie ticket buyers go, that is their number three most anticipated film of the year. At number two, my God, I love this. I love this. I'm so happy to see this. Uh, oop, that's not the... Uh, oh, yeah, there it is. Number two, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Wow. At number two, I am Jeez. so thrilled about that, that people understand the goodness that is the Spider-Verse, this animated world that I crapped on for well over a year before the movie came out. And then I saw it and I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> it was so good. I'm so happy. Was to see- it, oh my God, or oh, oh my God. God. No, it was, oh my God. It, oh, I'm so happy to see that all the way up at number two. And then according to the Fandango ticket buyers list, hmm? The most anticipated movie of 2023 is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Wow. So, again, now remember, this is not our list. This is the list accumulated by Fandango, the place where America goes to buy their movie tickets and their readers. So, again, number 10, we got Super Mario Brothers. At number 9, Creed 3. At number 8, Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. I'm surprised to see it on the list, but I think we underestimate how many fans that thing has. Uh, at number seven, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning. At number six, Aquaman and the Last Kingdom. At number five, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. At number four, John Wick, Chapter Four. At number three, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. At number two, Spider-Man Across Spider-Verse. I'm still so tickled. That's so high up. And number one, it's uh, James Gunn's world. We're living in it. It's Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume Three. So, Rob, let's go over to you first here. I mean, for me... Uh, Seeing um, uh, Hunger Games on this list is surprising to me. I knew it would still have some people to get excited about, but at number eight, did not see that coming. Really excited to see Creed on there. Again, neither neither of the first two movies made a whole ton of money, So, but I really like those films to see it on that list. I think seeing Spider-Verse at number two is a very pleasant surprise to me. Guardians of the Galaxy would be number one is a bit of a surprise. I don't know. You saw this list. What's standing out to you? And is there anything missing, obviously missing for you? I don't know if I buy this list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think this list is, is first of all, the Hunger Games prequel 
We've not seen a trailer for it. Like, I mean, like they put out some uh, like one or teasers. two little teasers. Yeah, they like little teasers, but I still don't see people. I mean, the book certainly was the runaway bestseller that the Hunger Games books were. I, you know, I think that they, I, I think this might be, I don't know. To me, I think Indiana Jones should be higher up on this list than it is. Although we've seen these trailers, these trailers, like all three of these trailers, one, two, and three, these are trailers that are in the theaters now that people are seeing. So it's on the, mm-hmm. it, it's on the, it's on people's minds. I'd be curious to see the other ones. Like again, Creed has a trailer out. Uh, Mission Impossible has a trailer out. Indiana Jones has a trailer out. Uh, Mario Brothers has a trailer out, which, by the way, in the theater, it's even more impressive than watching it online. I was. They played it in front of Avatar. Right? That it, looks it, great. It does. You look at you look at like I I have no real uh, affection. I love Mario, but I don't. It's not in 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 my. But I watch that trailer on the big screen. I'm like, oh, I'll go see that. You know. So I do think there's there's. Uh, all of these movies, I believe, should be on this list. I just don't know about their rankings. It lost me at no Dune. There's no. Yeah. Oh yeah. It lost me at no Dune. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. That's it. That's the most. What if a lot of people even remember that that's coming out this year? They well, don't. Yeah, that's, and that's and that's and maybe because of the, what Rob just said with the trailer, which is I think he's right uh, on the money with. But like, I also think it's a matter of when you're voting on it, when yes. you're buying tickets, and Rob's a hundred percent right. You see these trailers, ones that are in the zeitgeist, the ones that people, are, the ones that people are talking about. I think that these all are highly anticipated, but I think there's a lot of movies in out, out there that are coming out that, as you said, a lot, maybe people don't even realize. Dune was a for what Dune did in the time that it did, in, and also being able to pull the box office did while it was still HBO Max the same day, yeah, and still pulled box office and was able to. It get, won the most Academy Awards of any film. Absolutely, that year. It did. and more and more it, people have been seeing it on yeah, cable. It, on so it's once, fantastic. That movie is so good, so and, good, and I cannot wait for the second one. That is Indiana Jones and Dune are probably like in, for me in my one and two, um, and it has nothing to do with like a Marvel fatigue or anything like that too. But like I, I, I guess to this point we're spoiled that we always know we got the Marvel movies coming out, and I'm excited to see them. And I, I think maybe because I was let down so much by Doctor Strange and Thor that I'm like, okay, you know, you, you're hit and miss right now. Maybe they get back together. I am looking forward to those movies, but for me, it's Dune, it's uh, and it's Indiana Jones. Those are the two that I'm and John Wick. Those are the, those. Yeah, are, yeah. John Wick, huge. Uh, when you look at this list too, this is very. The reason I can, after I was a little bit surprised by the look, I thought, okay, well, this is a lot of the general movie going on. So this isn't the hardcore people right. who watch the Christian Harloff show or the John Campion show. Hardcore, you know, movie fans. This is the the people who make up ninety five percent of the audience. Right. The general audience go to Fandango. These are some very populous titles. You know, Mario Brothers, Hunger Games, Indiana Jones. Although. I can understand Indiana Jones being a little bit lower on this list because it's been a long time. Right. And the last one was Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yes, yeah, you got to get new. You, you, this is going to be where the generations are going to start catching up on the movies, right? They're going to. Are they even on Disney Plus yet? The Indiana Jones movies. I don't I know. know. I know they question. were on Netflix for a bit. I don't know if they're. I don't know if that deal expired. But um, I thought I, they were on Paramount Plus for a bit. I could be. Yeah, wrong I think about you're probably that. right. But I think that uh, what's going to happen in what should happen if parent because a lot of parents are going to be going to see this movie. Oh yeah, a lot of parents. So what? I know I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to take my 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 11 year old. I'm going to make sure that she watches all the Indiana Jones before I take her to see the new one. And I think that will happen. And whether or not you know the new generation catches uh, on, we'll see. I got a question for both of you. Opening of Indiana Jones. Mountain, or are we going to see a Disney castle? castle? Don't steal my idea. I yeah. told you that idea. No, I mean, was it was that you who came up with that? Like, yes. I remember somebody brought it up on the show the other I'm day. I'm just kidding, Rob. You can steal it. But I think no, I was. Right. I was just asking. Yeah, it, yeah. it's not going to be the. Obviously, it's not going to be the Paramount Mountain. 
but it's some kind of German castle. Yeah, or, probably because there is that castle we've seen in the trailer. The, well, he's going in to look at the tapestries. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it'll probably be the flashback of when it, when it starts with him in the in the castle. I think 100. percent Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Question is for you. What do you think about this list accumulated by the people who go to the Fandango website? They're calling Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. By the way, don't forget, the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special just came out, which was ludicrously good, and that might have had something to do with the anticipation level. But Guardians 3 right now, listed as the most anticipated film of the year by General Moviegoers. What do you guys think? Of course, we're going to do our list next week. Uh, whatever your thoughts are on this list, jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys, with that down, let's move into our Mint Mobile hotline questions of the day. If you guys have a question you'd like for the show and you'd like to hear your voice on the show, go ahead and call our hotline number at 951-268-4259 anytime, day or night, and you just might hear it on here. So our first question today actually comes to us from Taylor's dad. <laughs> Hi, this is Andy from Kansas City. My little son is just dying to see Puss in Boots Part 2. If it's a big box office success, do you guys think that we will finally get a Shrek sequel? like to know what you think. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And uh, we got Taylor over there uh, having, having daddy issues now. What, what do you mean if Puss in Boots is a big success? Well, we'll I mean, we'll see. Because it's coming out in theaters with Avatar being pretty streaky right now but still let's go over to my screen here for a second jonathan ah. puss in boots look at these numbers if you had told me six months ago puss in boots 2 is going to have a 96 critic rating and a 98 audience rating now granted there's still a lot more to come but that is pretty ridiculous and i remember look i i hate cats they're they're good for ground fill or whatever but i'm not a big fan of cats but i saw this trailer and i was damn it a movie about a cat is one of my most excited things going to go see right now. Because I thought the trailer for Puss in Boots looked absolutely incredible. And then, Christian, you saw it. Yeah. You, Taylor saw it. Yeah. Of course, Taylor's bias. The director came up to him and recognized him. So. Oh, hilarious. Yeah. So yeah. That was but after he saw the movie. But that was after he saw the movie, yes. So, I mean, we, the people who I know have seen it have absolutely adored it and loved it. I'm dying to see this thing. So it brings up the question. Let's say it's really successful. How successful it can be, that's up for debate. But... Let's say this movie, I don't know, makes 500 million, 600 million, which I don't know if it can, but let's say it does. The Puss in Boots character is a spinoff of the Shrek series. I'm not going to lie to you. I've kind of been missing Shrek a little bit. It's been a beat since we had Mike Myers, Eddie Murphy, you know, all come back. Cameron Diaz is apparently back in acting mm -hmm. now. She's doing a new movie with Jamie Foxx. So, I mean... I'm going to go out on a limb and say this. If Puss in Boots goes north of 475, we will see another Shrek movie. That, that, that's going to be my prediction right now. If it goes, I mean, maybe even if it stays south of 475, but if it makes 475 at the box office or more, I'm going to say, I think we are going to get another Shrek movie. Christian, I mean, you saw the film. Yeah. So what do you think? Could there be any connection here? Like if this does well, or do you think it's irrelevant? What do you think? I do think it's irrelevant because, and I'll get to that in a second, but one of the things, and I wonder if Taylor agrees also, I think that one, the, one of the reasons that Spider-Verse stood out so much when it came out was the unique animation style, the way that it, and, and um, Puss in Boots plays in that. It's got, it's not, 
the same type of animation. It certainly dabbles in that, but they, they do some more really unique animation, which is what caught my eye. It's a beautiful looking animated film, and it's also got a lot of heart, and there's there's it's funny, and I think that's why it works. So I think that, but as far as the question with Shrek, that's a question for Mike Myers. I think it's going to come down to it's a matter of whether or not he wants to do it or not. And, you know, you back up enough, a big enough truck of money. But the but that then goes into your question, John. It's like, is it worth it for the studio? Well, okay, well, people are going to see Shrek. Maybe there's still a, or Puss in Boots, rather. Is there still a need for these characters? Maybe it is. Maybe it's worth offering Mike Myers a little bit more, more money to do this and whether or not he wants to do it because they need the franchises. You know, they want it, they want to do it. And, and it, one more to, because i'll tell you what it's still relevant i just went to universal studios with my with my daughter for her birthday we took some friends and 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 don you know they have that donkey out there and oh yeah um, and that guy's the, really funny actually. he's hilarious and they, but it's it's super and all everybody's lined around so they haven't had a new shrek movie in years and there's people lined around watching the characters hit and if it's funny and it works i i would like to see one again also i think people w would still want to see shrek Rob, do you think if Puss in Boots is a huge hit that that ups the chances of another Shrek film? Yes. And, and look, I have to tell you, one of my favorite things toward the end of this year is the trailer for the new Jonah Hill movie that Eddie Murphy's in called You People. Have you seen this trailer? I have trailer? not seen yeah. this trailer. I saw it. Eddie Murphy plays a very serious father, slays. It's just a scene with Jonah Hill talking to the, this married couple and Jonah Hill's marrying their daughter. They're at Roscoe's. He He's, yeah, they're are they at Rock? Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's white and their daughter's black. And Eddie Eddie Murphy in this just this little bit, he's never played a role where he's been serious. I I've watched that trailer, I swear to it's God, really twenty five times yeah. just to watch Eddie Murphy's. I mean, to bring back the cast of Shrek, to get Mike Myers, Eddie Murphy's had a renaissance. Bring everybody back. And and with Antonio Banderas, look, we were talking about this trailer for six months. Yeah. Everyone, Antonio Banderas looks like well you've seen it mm -hmm. i mean just watching the trailer I, I i didn't have a particular interest in seeing this movie neither did i but the trailer was so good antonio banderas's performance was so good i'm like and i like cats and i'm like the idea the idea behind this he only has one life left that's a genius idea the world wants to see a shrek movie again exemplified by that man over there i mean <laughs> people love shrek well I mean, I, let's let's ask you, Taylor, because uh -huh. you're the other person in the room who's actually seen Puss in Boots. Uh, so you saw an audience's reaction, all that kind of stuff. Do you, if this movie's successful, mm -hmm. do you think it? In, I mean, obviously, we know what you want. <laughs> Look at you. Uh, but I mean, do you think the success could spark interest in another Shrek film? Oh, 100 percent. First of all, Dad, you can call into the show and ask about Shrek, but you can't pay child support for 18 years. I'm coming for you. <laughs> but Puss in Boots is going to break. All the records. It, Pinocchio was my favorite animated film of the year until I saw this. It's it's going to blow everyone away. The animation style uh, is like a fairy tale painting just come to life. The color palette, I've never seen an animated... It, like, it is very much like Into the Spider-Verse. It's yeah. just something so unique and different. It's going to change the game. As far as Shrek, I'm not going to give anything away, but I will say it does set up some interesting stuff moving forward. And I think the hope is there will be a Shrek 5. Uh, I hope... Ray hopes. <laughs> Ray hopes. I was dragging Ray into it. But uh, I really know, know he's here. This is what, what we get out of this. Also, <laughs> just, just for people on Puss Watch, it is Twas the Night Before Puss. Uh, we are 24 hours away from uh, release. Puss so. Watch? <laughs> now, now, Ray, now Ray's paying attention. It's a very now Ray's show. like, Puss oh, Watch, day. what? One day. Nope. <laughs> one, one day. day. <laughs> All I right. can't wait. <laughs> All right.
Guys, the question is for you. What do you think about this? Uh, have you thought that more advertisers? Have you thought that the Puss in Boots trailer looks good? Are you interested in the film? I'm shockingly interested. I can't wait to see this. But do you think if it's successful, let's say north of 475, do you think that increases the chances of another Shrek film? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, uh, we're going to do one more uh, call from our Mint Mobile hotline, shall we? What one is up next, Jonathan? <laughs> Hi, John and crew. This is Daniel from Arkansas. Last year, you did a video on uh, the 2021 comic book movies of the year. I was wondering, what is your 2022 comic book movies of the year? Thanks, and bring on the filthy. All right, thanks a lot for sending that in. And you know what? It is Tuesday. So it's time for a top five Tuesday anyway. And so you call in at a really opportune time. You know, we were talking the other day on the show, Chris, about yes. 2022, not the finest year of comic book films. No. Uh, certainly had some good stuff out there. But, I mean, when you look back at pre like 2018, right. 2016, you, know, you look at certain years where it's just like we were so, what is it you call it, Robin? Embarrassment of riches. Embarrassment of riches. For a lot of years. This, not one of the stronger years. So it, it makes it a little more tricky to put together a top five best comic book movies of the year, but that's what we're going to endeavor to do right now. Now, I should let you guys know that I decided that we would not let the special presentations qualify. Now, we're talking about the two special presentations, Werewolf by Night, Guardians of the Galaxy, the holiday special. These were both under an hour long. They're not really feature films. Now, if they were on this list, I'll tell you right now, I put up a tweet about this. Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special would be my number two of the year, and World by Night would be my number three. But we are not putting those on the list. So let's go back over to the classroom here, shall we? And we'll go down. We'll start with mine. All right. Coming in at number five, I'm going to say Black Adam. This is a movie we've talked about a lot that I clearly had problems with. I had some issues with, some terrible dialogue, some useless characters, some unbelievable logic leaps. But you know what? There was a lot of grinning. A lot of laughing, some fun. I still had a good time with it, so I'm going to say Black Adam comes in at my number five spot. Coming in at number four, God, I can't believe I'm going to do this. Super Pets. Super Pets, with which, you know, Ray and Ann pretty much dragged me to go see. They kind of made me go see. And look at that smug look on Ray's face. Ray saying, no, man, it's going to be good. And I got to tell you, I, I have to admit, I was poo-pooing on this movie, but I came out of it going and ray's like come on john come on come on I'm like all right it was good <laughs> it's a good movie and, and it was so short and, and it was a really bad movie really at least short. be short yeah. i mean <laughs> <laughs> that's ray's number one criteria for a movie is a short but i had to come out and go okay you know what yes i i thought it was pretty good not great not my favorite animated film of the year or anything but i like super pets so i get it it gives it the number four spot all right coming in at number three for me dr strange 2 uh, this is a movie that I think it's most people agree did not live up to its potential, uh, especially coming off the brilliance that was Doctor Strange 1. But it was still packed with some really cool things that I enjoyed. I liked a number of the new characters. I liked, I mean, I still think right now that take away even all the weaknesses of Multiverse Madness, and there are plenty. I still think the basic storyline of Wanda Maximoff from her first appearance in the MCU through WandaVision into Doctor Strange 2 is one of the best individual storylines the MCU's ever done. And so even though I had problems with it, Doctor Strange 2 gets the number three spot on my list. All right. Now we get into the top two, and I'm going to say at number two, Wakanda Forever. 
again, this is a movie that to me did not live up to its potential. I, but I still thought this was a good, solid film. Some really good heart and emotion. Uh, they do some head scratcher things in it that I didn't think make it a lot of narrative sense. But overall, especially when you're talking about Angela Bassett, who is going to get an Academy Award nomination for this for this movie. Absolutely, I think she will, and she's it's well deserved. Um, but overall, it's a solid film. Doesn't live up to the first one, but I still thought pretty damn solid. So it is my number two. No surprises here. Uh, the Batman is the best comic book movie of the year. And for me, spoiler alert, when we do our top 10 next week of the year, the Batman's going to be on my top 10 of the year list. I've got, I went back and watched this again about a month and a half ago, and I was still floored by the narrative pacing. It, it is over long. It could have been about 10, 11, 12 minutes shorter, I think. But still, the, the flow of the narrative was solid. The way they built this new world, Gotham, you've heard other people say about this about other batman iterations but gotham felt like a living breathing character in this movie and i love that and paul dano between this and his performance in fablemans oh my god you have if you're somebody who comes out and says this is the year of paul dano i don't know that i have an argument to fight against you about that because this is paul dano putting himself on the map this year the character of the penguin is making me die to see Colin Farrell's Penguin series, especially with his performance in Banshees of Inishirin. Spoiler alert, also going to be my top 10 of the year. Uh, but The Batman, again, one of the best movies of the year, period, to me, and the one truly, I think, remarkable comic book film of the year. So that is my list. Again, for me, it's number five, Black Adam, number four, Super Pets, number three, Doctor Strange 2, number two, Wakanda Forever, and number one, The Batman. So that's my list. Rob, let's go over to you. My list is exactly the same as yours, but I would fl flip, flip Black Adam and Super Pets. That just that minor, that minor of a change. Yeah, because the, I mean, the, uh, and for the reasons that you said, uh, you know, I thought that Wakanda, for, the Batman is for me by far the best comic book movie of the year, and I've watched it since I've had the 4K disc. I watched it over this past weekend. It's a phenomenally well-made movie. It's it's so cinematic it's so beautifully done it, it it shoots a lot higher i mean my only thing about i really liked wakanda forever i thought wakanda forever was really ambitious you know what really bothers me now compared when you are comparing and contrasting the batman and, and marvel movies the fact that so many of the marvel movies now are shot against green screens not the volume but we're watching backgrounds and things that are all computer generated it's got this color palette that's beginning to get on my nerves <laughs> and and you see it a lot in Thor Love and Thunder. I, it was like enough. And you see it in Quantumania. And it used to work, but it's not evolving. When you watch the Batman, it's like, okay, we're on a real street. And it's really raining. Well, and I mean, when we go into the, the... In their defense, though, in their defense, the Batman takes place in Gotham City. No, I, whereas, I know. Whereas, you know, know. A, a Thor Love and Thunder but, takes but, place in the city of the gods. Even Wakanda, you know, when you're watching Wakanda Forever, when they went down to Puerto Rico... Mm. And like you see, it's like, wow, how refreshing. We're actually in an outdoor real environment. Like at the end when when Shiri is talking to um, Lapita Nyong'o and meets and meets. They're having a conversation. It's almost done anyway. But they're outside, you know, and they're outside. And I think it really helps from a cinematography standpoint, from a believability standpoint. The more you're outside. I think that Marvel really needs to sort of get back and figure out how to use practical locations for their movies. Well, the, the, but some stories 
lend themselves to that. I mean, well, I'm don't. not saying there's, that in, like, when they where go do you the, go? You can't go to Puerto Rico to shoot the quantum realm. No. <laughs> well, there's, you know, they're starting to do. They're starting to do that with. Look at Andor. And well, then they was, just, and yes, they, and they just made the, uh, the announcement that Acolyte is going to be doing real a lot of that too. Also, yeah, which too. is exciting so, to see. And, and I think that that Thor did use a lot of the volume, by the way. Way too much of the volume. And and the thing is, but I do think. That uh, you know, I like that, and and um, well, let's stick on the topic yeah. of the top five movies. Of anyway, the year. yeah. So anyway, so the Batman by far, Wakanda Forever. I thought Wakanda Forever was hugely ambitious for the most part, and I really like Wakanda Forever a lot more. I think than most people did. So just a little swapperoo of yeah. uh, and, super and pets you, and black Adam. Yeah, and what you said about Doctor Strange again, a movie that I have reassessed since I've owned it and watched it. What you said about how it's an extension of what we saw in Wandavision, I think it actually. I watched Wandavision again and then mm, watched Doctor yeah. Strange, and I think it works better. The thing about Doctor Strange is we were all waiting to see the Illuminati and all these these cameos, but if once you move away from the cameos and watch the story at hand, I think it works better, and it works really well in tandem watching WandaVision. And Black Adam, look, Super Pets was not my jam, but ultimately I did find it pretty entertaining. But like you said... Black Adam was so hit and miss, like the stuff with the kid. But I loved seeing the Justice Society. I yeah. loved it. No, it's me, Trino, uh, uh, you know, the, the whole Justice uh, uh, Hawkman, yes. Dr. Fate, and, that all worked really well. And Noah Citrino, by the way, is great in The Recruit. The I still dude, haven't watched that yet. I, I want to watch it. It looks really it's good. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. But all I, right. uh, Dr. Fate alone and Hawkman, if that's all we got, a half an hour of them, I would have put it at my number four position. All right, Christian, let's go over to you. So again, we got our, our list is here and Rob's Rob's and my are pretty identical. So I'm not going to move anything around, but his, he's got super pets at five and black Adam at four. What does your list look like? I have a controversial list, John. So, and again, just reminding that again, it comes to enjoyment because I know that certain films are definitely more well-made than others. For example, my number five is Dr. Strange too. And I know that it's probably going to be better made, uh, and it is better made than some of the other films on my list, but enjoyment wise. Now I have to say what Rob said, I'm, I'm doing a rewatch with my daughter right now. We're, we've just, we're on, um, of WandaVision of the MCU. Oh, the MCU. So nice. right now, right now, well, she's watching it for the first time. And right now we're on, uh, Ant-Man two. Oh. So we're approaching, you know, phase four and I'll be looking forward to seeing Doctor Strange to see if I can pick up what Rob just said. But still, it was more of a Sam Raimi movie for me. I've always been a Sam. I, I appreciate him, but I'm just not a Sam Raimi head the way a lot of other people are. So that was number five for me. Number four is actually um, Black Adam for me because Black Adam, I thought, was a lot of fun. I, I agree with every single person that said that it's generic, that that it's you, you've seen it a million times over. But for all the reasons that Rob just mentioned and you mentioned, I got a kick out of it. I liked seeing those characters. I thought Dr. Fate was awesome. And I'm looking forward to watching it again. Right now, call it call me um, a sap and call me a dad. But number three is Super Pets for me, because the first time I enjoyed it, I the first time I saw it, I really enjoyed it and said and I was just kind of like you john going i don't know what this movie is gonna be about <laughs> at all and i watched it, and I was like, that was really cute and then i watched it with my five-year-old and she loved it and was laughing so that, i watched it with my five-year-old too right right yeah, yeah exactly um so that's who i was talking about as well but uh but but either way um it, it it's um it, it was just a it was a nice feel to, to, to watch it with my daughter and so number two just like everybody else here it's it's um Wakanda Forever, where I think for we've all t talked about it at length, what Ryan Coogler was able to accomplish um, in the switch so fast and make such a, a, a really a good movie. I liked it, didn't love it, but I appreciate 
yeah. what they had to do and what they had to endure and the emotion that was behind it. And number one, I know, call me nuts, Morbius. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, wow. Totally kidding. That would be totally awesome kidding. if you really Morbius. That, no, that no, no. would be the hot take uh, of the day. The hot yeah. take. No, 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 the Batman. I mean, there's, there, there's no arguing against it. That movie is it's fantastic. It is a couple, whatever, a couple minutes too long. That's fine. Um, overall, I can't wait for it again. I love the David Fincher vibe. Paul Dano is out of control good. So is Colin Farrell, unrecognizable. Robert Pattinson, Andy Serkis. It's just, uh, yeah, it's just, it's a gem. The cast crushes it. Yeah, that it does. Movie. Oh, yeah, they absolutely do. So again, I mean, the, our all of our, three of our lists have the exact same five movies. The two big, obviously the big losers, the two big major motion picture combo movies that didn't make e- either of our list was uh, Thor, Love and Thunder or Morbius. Morbius. And Morbius is, Morbius to me is an easier pill to swallow on a rewatch. It's only an hour and 25 minutes or an hour and 30 minutes. And it just doesn't. That least, is short, isn't it? At least it's a movie that is a movie and not, <laughs> and not a comedy. You know what? In defense, in defense of Morbius, <laughs> I, I, you know, me, I try to find the silver lining here. They, they did a couple of interesting things, some visual stylistic things like his quote unquote super speed, the way they visually kind of manifested yeah. his speed. They did some interesting things, but it's almost like they went, it's almost like a VFX artist came and said, like, what if we did this with the character like Morbius? Cool, let's make a movie around that. And it ended up being what it is. Anyway, I guess once again, if we were including the special presentation stuff on Disney Plus, I would have had Werewolf by Night yeah. and the holiday special in there. But there you go, our five movies. They're all basically one and two is all the same, and then just a slight reorganizing of the three, four, and five, but they're the same films. Doctor Strange 2, Black Adam, and Super Pets all there. Guys, question is for you. How would you rank the 2022 comic book movies that are out there? Whatever you guys think, go on ahead and jump down to the comment section below and leave us your thoughts. All right, guys. We can take down that screen now, Jonathan. With that down, we're going to take a break here, guys, before we get into our main topics and thank a couple of the sponsors of the John Campia show here. All the first couple of sponsors are all about taking care of the nether regions, ladies and gentlemen. Our good friends at MeUndies and Master... Oh, I almost said Masterclass again. Manscaped. <laughs> The holidays are officially upon us and it's time to start celebrating. Do your thing and holiday your way with MeUndies because it's the most wonderful time of the year to try MeUndies because they're currently offering a very merry deal. Get 20% off your first purchase with free standard shipping and free returns when you go to MeUndies.com slash Campia. Guys, you know I've been wearing MeUndies for a while now because I used to be like everybody else. I would go to the big store, buy the biggest box of the most generic underwear and I thought that was good enough. But ever since I started MeUndies and started wearing the most comfortable underwear I have ever worn in my life. I swear on this Christmas season, I will never go back. So get your holiday shopping finished early and start making time for yourself with the new MeUndies Holiday Collection. Their undies, long underwear, and sleepwear are made out of the softest, most supple fabric you've ever felt and are guaranteed to bring you comfort and joy to all of your loved ones. Shop their classic plaid prints for a traditional, picture-perfect style or get festive with their adventurous limited-edition sweater prints. Available in sizes extra small, all the way through 4XL, MeUndies has what you need to make all of your favorite people smile this holiday season all in one convenient place. So to get 20% off your first order, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com Campia. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, 
Manscaped. This holiday season, I'll be giving thanks to our friends over at Manscaped. Everyone loves turkey and stuffing, but you'll be looking like dessert with the help of Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming have blessed you with the ultimate Thanksgiving dinner topic. Tell your in-laws about your new cutting-edge ball trimmer and gift yourself or the man in your life the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Trim up your pumpkins by going to manscaped.com and use the code CAMPIA for free shipping and 20% off. And this year I am so thankful for Manscaped because like most of you guys, I used to use Neanderthalic Dark Age methods to trim my balls. Not anymore, thanks to Manscaped. It's time for all of us to give thanks to Manscaped Performance Package 4.0, or as I like to call it, the perfect package for your package. Inside, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. The heart of the package, their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code CAMPIA at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the promo code CAMPIA. Be thankful this holiday season for the best gift of all from Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. And thank you to both of our friends at Me Undies and Manscaped for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. All right, guys, with that all down, let's move now into our main topics here today. And how do we select our main topics? Well, that's simple. That's where we need you guys because you guys come up with our main topics. Whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we absolutely must cover as a main topic on the show, just go anytime 24-7 to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're gonna see a form, fill it out with your topic or question, it's absolutely free, hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on The John Campia Show. That down, Rob. What is our first main topic today? John, our first main topic comes to us from Christian Horn. Greetings and salutations, crew. Thank you for the 1923 podcast, Well, guys. at least one person listened to it. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Love listening to it tonight right after I finished watching the premiere. Speaking of which, did you see that 1923 absolutely destroyed the Paramount viewership record and claimed the number one premiere for cable television in 2022? What do you think of these numbers and how much more can they expand the Yellowstone universe. All right, Christian, thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And yeah, look, you guys know, I think Yellowstone is the best show on TV. And we were really excited about 1923. Harrison Ford, Helen Mirren, we watch it. For those of you who don't know, Rob and I recorded the first episode of our 1923 After Show, which is an exclusive to our podcast feed on After Show. So just go and search for the After Show, a John Campia podcast. Go find it. Subscribe to it today. There it is for you. And of course, our uh, the uh, the newest one we just put up is 1923. So go and check that out. At any rate, so they launch it. How would people respond to it? Yellowstone, 1883, both very popular. Well, apparently the numbers were insane. This comes to us from the folks over at Deadline who wrote the following. 1923, which released over the weekend, was Paramount Plus's most-watched premiere ever in the U.S. The streamer announced Monday. Apparently, it wasn't even a close race. With 1923, get this, surpassing the previous record by nearly 80%, it eclipsed the debuts of such previous Paramount Plus breakouts as Halo, Sheridan's 1883, Mayor of Kingstown, and the one that just recently broke the record, Tulsa King. 
The Yellowstone universe continues to break records with our latest chapter, 1923, scoring as the most-watched premiere ever on Paramount+, Plus and debuting as the number one new cable premiere of the year on Linear, said Chris McCarthy, president, CEO of Paramount Media Networks and MTV Entertainment Studios. Taylor Sheridan continues to tap a cultural nerve that has proven irresistible to viewers from across the country and around the world with this newest installment showing no signs of slowing down. All right. So, number one, I remember we talked about this uh, like a month or so ago when Tulsa King debuted. Like, the numbers were crazy. I don't think any of us expect to see the kind of numbers that it got. That Paramount Plus then has 1923 come out that beats it by 80% is staggering. It shows absolutely there's a massive popularity with this Yellowstone universe. It also shows that people, well, we know people loved 1883. Those who watched it loved it, and they just can keep continuing this momentum. How many more can they do? Rob, you and I talked on the podcast last night. I fully expect that we are going after 1923, we're going to get a 1963. And I think after 1963, we're going to get a 2003. And you're going to have Josh Lucas playing the younger Kevin Costner character in his own series. I mean, I think they have a way to go. Chris, I remember you were pointing out to me before the show started, Paramount Plus Miles will just be recalled the Taylor Sheridan network. He's the king of the world. He's carrying the whole damn thing. Anyway, you saw 1923. You're seeing these numbers. What's your takeaway? Well, I have a lot to take away from it. Um, and w people have asked, and we, we talked about it off air, is that I, I watched a couple episodes of um, Yellowstone, liked what I saw, but the problem with Yellowstone is it, it's so hard to find. It's all over the map. You got to look at, you got to find it on, it's on Paramount, Paramount Plus. It's It should just be on Paramount Plus. It should be. That's, that's a big thing they got to change. When it is, that's when I'm going to start, because I, I don't want to, I'm too lazy. I'm not going to go search all over the place for it. But the other one, the 1883, is that, uh, that, that one I want to watch. I like Sam Elliott. But the reason why I think that both Tulsa King and um, and this show are doing so well is because the movie star, even though we agree that the movie star these days don't sell tickets in the theater the way, doesn't mean that people still don't want to watch them. Yeah. And so perfect example for that is this isn't necessarily a show that like my wife is going to be like the premise of it. I, let's let's watch it. But I said there's a new show with Harrison Ford and Helen Mirren. She's like, oh, I love them. Let's watch it. She didn't even know what the hell it was about. She had seen Yellowstone, but didn't realize until we started watching, oh, this is connected to Yellowstone. That drives numbers because you're already paying for the service, and here are some people that you know very well. It's Harrison Ford. It's a movie store that, that this this streaming thing and the changing that people can actually start. Sylvester Stallone, again, Sylvester Stallone, and he's, he's on a streaming show, and you're watching it. It's amazing that a television show that you can spend time with them every week as opposed to something like Samaritan, they're okay, but a television show that you can invest in the character, that you can see him weekly, you couldn't imagine. I said to my wife last night, can you imagine 10, 15 years ago going Harrison Ford is on a television show? Julia Roberts is on a television show? You know, these these movie stars that were ne never on it, you can do it now, they're invited, because and it's cinematic. You still associate yeah. them with the cinematic. It is so cinematic. It's cinematic. Yeah. It doesn't feel like they. It doesn't feel like they've stepped down. It doesn't feel like they're. Oh, they're on a, on a sitcom now. They're on this. No, it feels like they're in just in a larger movie that brings us into. It's in our house every week. Um, so that's why I think because the the star power helped, the brand of Yellowstone and everything else too. I think helped, but I think the star power of Harrison Ford, Helen Mirren, that that had a lot to do with it. I think a lot of people see this image and think this is the new movie coming out. Right. No, man, this is a new show. 100%. It's crazy. Yeah. Rob, you know, we obviously talked a lot last night about the, the debut of 1923, but now you're seeing these numbers. I expect it to be big because of what Christian pointed out, the, the star power. It's a Yellowstone series, but 
this big, I don't know what I was expecting. What's your takeaway? Well, I think one of the things that Taylor Sheraton's doing is he's tapping into American iconography. I mean, the whole thing about about the whole Yellowstone franchise now, the Yellowstone shared universe, is you're dealing with American history, American iconography, the Old West, American values, what the country was built upon. And, he, and to a certain extent, um, the Kingstown show, the Tulsa King show, you're dealing with all of these very American, like American gangsters and, you know, American crime thrillers and all that. And he's he's really... Uh, tapping into all that, and at the same time, he's giving us incredible, like even, remember, Kevin Costner is a huge movie star too, and like you said, bringing in these movie star characters and giving you a show that is cinematic in nature, beautifully made. What people are feeling from these shows is top-flight entertainment. And at the the core of it all, you have authorship. You have the vision of a one-man, a guy like Taylor Sheridan, who's writing all these shows too. And, and so what you're getting is you're getting a point of view that I don't think you can get. For instance, it's amazing to me to see Paramount talk about another franchise, the Star Trek franchise, uh, can't get any uh, traction in terms of viewership, not like this. And it's because... So, Ray, you can reset the clock about on the how long will it take, Rob, to make this about well, no, Star no, Trek? No, days no, without incident. No, no, but I'm just saying it's another, it's another franchise. If you look at two contrasting stories on Paramount+, Plus. I think what Taylor Sheridan is doing here is working on a, a number of different levels. It's working on the fact that you're getting movie stars starring in these roles. You're getting great storytelling on, in a, on a cinematic level, but you're also getting writing that's incredibly engaging, that is tapping into American mythology the way we haven't seen in a long time. Can I make one more note here? Yeah. Is that the other thing, too, that I that noticed that what Taylor Sheridan and Paramount Plus have done, the reason why Yellowstone is in the conversation all the time, 1883 is in the conversation all the time, week by week yes it comes out yes and people yes. are talking about it and people continue to talk about it if this show would have dropped and i was bumped there was only one episode yep. but i was happy there was only one episode yep. because when it drops on one episode i'm going oh i can't wait to do it next week because next week you're going to talk about it on your show yep. you're going to get more people are going to be talking about it. if it all dropped last night you guys would be raving about it today and then people would be exhausted today watching it whatever like and then talking about it for the next two or three days Gone. And then gone. For the next one. You know what else about 1923 that was struck that I was struck by watching it with Elizabeth? Strong, a strong female presence in terms of the female storylines and strong male presence. Elizabeth was riveted by the show as much as I was because the Helen Mirren character and her storyline, she's playing a matriarch, but a badass mother. Harrison Ford calls her character the boss. The boss. And I mean, you've got this is a show that appeals to both men and women. And that's why I think the numbers are up, too. Great opening. Yeah. Guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? 1923 has launched with a bang. Have you had a chance to check it out yet? If so, what did you think? Whatever you guys' thoughts are, jump down in the comment section below and leave those thoughts there. All right. With that down, let's get on to main topic number two, shall we? Rob, what is our second main topic today? John, our second main topic comes to us from Edison. We all know Hollywood paydays can be just crazy large. But $250 million for a movie? Apparently, that's what Matt Damon ended up turning down for the lead role in Avatar. I guess he was supposed to be Jake or something and was being offered 10% of the box office. (laughs) He turned it down now and says he really regrets it because with Avatar's huge box office success, who knew? His payday would have been north of $250 million for one movie. Should he have taken the role? 
Well, hindsight is 2020. <laughs> I mean, of course he should have taken it. Now, we're going to find out in a second he actually couldn't take the role. Look, I remember when we were talking about what um, Robert Downey Jr. actually ended up netting for, for one of the, the first Avengers movie, I say, I think he ended up making like $50 million. Yeah. Which was like, it's it, that's mind-boggling. It's crazy. So James Cameron wanted Matt Damon, I guess to be Jake Sully, in, uh, in the first uh, Avatar film. And nobody knew what that movie was going to do. They were going to try to break some ground. They're going to try to do something big, and they expected it to be good. And so they, being budget conscious, they went to him with points, and they offered him 10%. 10% first dollar. Well... Matt Damon couldn't. Let's let's go over here. This comes to us from the folks over at Joe Blow who tell the story. And this is heartbreaking if you're Matt Damon. But I love the response from uh, James Cameron as well. Consider that Avatar earned well over $2 billion, actually getting close to $3 billion now, worldwide, which would have netted net Matt Damon more than $250 million for one movie in returns. I will go down in history, says Matt Damon. You will never meet an actor who, who turned down more money. That might be true, but one person who isn't laughing about the situation is Cameron. Cameron commented about Damon turning down the deal, saying, he's beating himself up over this, adding, and I really think you know, Matt, you're kind of like one of the biggest movie stars in the world. Get over it. But he added to do another Bourne film. But he added that to do another Bourne film, which was on his runway, and there was nothing that we could do about that. So really, he couldn't have done anything about it. So he had to regretfully decline. When asked if Matt Damon could still cameo in another Avatar sequel, Cameron said, must do it. We have to do it so that there is equal librium in the world again, but he doesn't get 10%. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> so I love Cameron's response to that. Look, obviously, and you're asking the question, should Matt Damon have taken it? Well, it sounds like he actually couldn't, but obviously he wishes he had. Nobody thought that Avatar was going to be a north of two, the first $2 billion film in history. And nobody would have offered him 10% had they thought it was going to come anywhere near that. But that, that is staggering. It's like, I still remember, you know, Ann and I thought about buying Bitcoin when it was at like $1,000. We thought that's ridiculous. And then at one point it hit 60. I don't know where it is now. It's much lower than that. But, you know, you think of those opportunities that you had. And I'm sure Matt Damon looked now. Matt Damon's doing fine. We don't have to worry about how Matt Damon is going to pay rent next month. But still, that's pretty staggering. Anyway, Christian, you see this story. What do you think about well, so it? So I saw the clip yesterday when he was talking about it also. And, he, and, it, and it was it was a little bit more than just, the you know, he, he had to turn it down because of born, but it was it was a morality thing, right? He, he, had, he had committed. And he also said that James Cameron actually really respected the fact that he said that. And, yeah. and that's what well, that was inside the clip. He's like, look, I get it. I understand that you committed to a role and, and we're bummed to not have you. But we, but I completely understand. And, and that's and I, I, res I respect that. He lost out the more than two hundred fifty million. Yeah, because um, this sequels. Um, yeah, and who knows what his deal would have been because if he got yeah. ten on the first one and it did really well, he's like, I ain't coming back until I yeah, get some more. Put points. it in the contract that says if there are sequels, yep. I also get eight percent. He lost more than two fifty, but he knew it. He understood, it, and that's just one of those things. And as I said, it's it's a bummer to say, you know, hey, I could have had a, a, a more than two hundred fifty million dollars in the bank, sure, but. What are you going to do? He's Matt Damon, and he's still he's, he's doing all right for himself. But it's a, it's a bummer. But I love the answer, and I think that I'd love to see him show up in in some more uh, Avatar films for sure. That'd be great.
Now, some I see some people asking a really good question in the live chat. So does that mean that Sam Worthington made $250 million for the thing? You got to understand at that time, Matt Damon is one of the biggest right. stars in the world. No Sam, Sam was. Yeah, people knew Sam Worthington was, but they were not going to offer Sam Worthington. He was a household name at that point. Yeah, that was that was right when Terminator. Well, yeah, I was going to say he did Terminator. Yeah, the same but he time wasn't they on the same level as Matt Damon. Close. Yeah, yeah, no. Anyway, Rob, what do you think about this? Well, I mean, you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda is that game we all play with ourselves, whether it's an old girlfriend or investments we should have made or something. However, I would say that, you know, Matt Damon has had an incredibly diverse, rich career. He's been in Coen Brothers movies. He's been in Soderbergh's movies. He's been in uh, the Bourne films. He's he's won himself an Oscar writing Goodwill Hunting. He's had a terrific career. Oh, awesome. Career. Ridley Scott's The Martian, I think, is one of the great movies of the last 10 years. Wonderful actor. A great guy, by all accounts. I love his career. Um, it's a bummer that he didn't, you know, get this payday. But then again, we wouldn't have the Bourne movies either. And I think yeah. the third Bourne movie is one of my favorite action films maybe ever. Yeah. Greengrass really pioneered, really got that technique down that no one's ever been able to duplicate. So, yeah, he can beat himself up all about it. But you know what? Why bother? Why, why play that game? All right, guys. Question is for you. It looks like Matt Damon lost out on a 250-plus million-dollar payday for one movie. I mean, coulda, shoulda, woulda is a great way to put it. Yeah. Who knows? What's your takeaway from this? Whatever you guys think about it, jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number three here, shall we? Rob, what is our third main topic? John, our third main topic comes to us from Aiden G. Hey, John, I hear you guys often talk about how the last number of years have been pretty dry as far as comedies go. I thought 2022 had a few good ones. So I thought I'd ask what you thought the best comedy of 2022 was. For me, it was Beavis and Butthead do the universe. <laughs> what about you guys? All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, Aiden. And you're right. Look, we were just talking a little bit earlier about how 2022 was definitely one of the weaker years and drier years for comic book films. But you're right. Like the last five, six years ain't like it was in the really early 2000s, the late 19, where it felt like every year we had five or six, like just like bomber comedies, like just really, really great comedies. You know, the days of uh, whether you're talking about Anchorman or you're talking about 40-Year-Old Virgin or you're talking about Wedding Crashers, like that sort of era. It, we don't have that anymore. No. And, and really good comedies are tough to come by. This year was no different, but there were a couple of standouts. So we're not going to do top fives or anything like that. We're just going to mention what we think the best one are. I do want to give a couple of mentions, though. All right. Violent Night is a really good comedy. Uh, that's the new one with David Harbour playing Santa Claus. It, it, I saw it. It, I laughed significantly more than I thought I would. And I thought the trailers looked charming, but I laughed significantly more. It's a good, violent John Wick is Santa Claus kind of thing. So, so I dug that. Um, you guys know that for most of the year, my number one film of the year is Everything Everywhere All at Once. So a lot of people are putting that on their comedy list. I don't it's It's funny. I don't consider it a comedy, even though it's funny. So it depends on your how you define it. So I'm not going to mention everything all at once as being the best of the year. One that came really close for me being my best of the year, best comedy of the year was Turning Red, which is still to me the best animated film of the year. I I, I was really floored and su pleasantly surprised by Turning Red. Uh, again, super charming, great heart, really funny, the whole bit. But my personal, it comes down to me, 
And this surprised me. Even though I was excited about the movie, I did not think I would laugh as hard and as often as I did in this movie. My best comedy of 2022 is Weird, the Al Yankovic story. I just, I, I remember I, I went to the, the LA premiere of it and I'm sitting there with Anne and we're in a, a pretty enthusiastic crowd. We're pretty excited to see a lot of Weird Al fans were there. And in the first three minutes, Anne was in tears. Like Anne, Anne was like literally, she had tears coming down her face. She was laughing so hard. And my stomach hurt by the end of the film. I laughed so hard. I, I just couldn't get over just, and, and I get it. I am a, clearly, I, you know, I'm a big Weird Al fan. So I, I'm kind of, but what, what Daniel Radcliffe does in this movie, it's like, just makes me believe Radcliffe can do absolutely anything. Jack Black has a cameo in this, which was absolutely hilarious. So, you know what? Not even by a very close margin to me, the best comedy of the year Weird, the Ali Yankovic story. Anyway, Rob, not again, we haven't had a year of great comedies for a while, but there were some gems. What are the comedies for you? Not much. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have to say that Weird is easily my favorite comedy, but it's also my biggest regret of the year because I saw it at home by myself. Oh, I watched it, yeah. And I, I, I do not understand, John. I know it was made for Roku or whatever, I do not understand the metrics of why you didn't put this movie in a theater. Money. Laughing uh, with an audience in this movie was so much fun. This movie would have killed in the theater. And you saw it in the theater and I could have gone. It was part of Beyond Fest. I was like, I don't... I mean, it looks funny. I didn't buy a ticket. So your listing is your favorite it's comedy my of the year as bar well? bar none. It's my favorite comedy by, by a wide margin. I mean, I can't even think of anything else that I watched that I laughed or guffawed out, out loud at. I mean, this was, like you said, I was sitting in a room by myself, but Elizabeth, nobody was home. The dogs were like, why are you, they'd never <laughs> seen me. I was laughing so much. The dogs are like, oh, what's, are you okay, dude? Because they didn't even understand why I was laughing, like laughing out loud. It's so good. Christian, uh, again, it's it's slim pickings. The last, last numbers you've been, what's your best comedy of the year? I don't know. I barely have seen any of these comedies, and the ones that I have seen aren't that great. I guess the one with Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum was pretty good. The one Lost with, City, actually, Lost you know, City. I'm glad you put that. Lost City was pretty good. Yeah, I put, yeah. I'd put that in there. Um, Ticket to Paradise was terrible. Um, yeah. Banshees, yeah, they say, is is a comedy. I don't know. The Banshees of Isherin. Uh, you know what? I... I, it took one of the things about seeing Banshees of Sharon was Sharon. it took me a while. I had to readjust my brain because I went in expecting comedy. They call it a comedy. Yeah, yeah I can it, see you calling it moments, a but I mean dark comedy. Yeah, no, like, yeah. I kind of liked Dog, but I wouldn't I call it. A I, that's comedy. what they said. So Violent, I didn't see Amsterdam stinks. Um, yeah. I never saw Bros. Ardo, no. Um, Bro, yeah, I, Bros. I, I, I saw it was pretty good. Was funny, I didn't see that. I, I, Turning Red, I didn't see Spirited. I didn't see Spirited. People, everybody talks about Spirited. Yeah, Anne and I are waiting till Christmas Eve to watch oh, I it. I see. Uh, bad guys, anime. Yeah, I would have to say The Lost City, but that's only that's the only that's the only comedy that I saw that I said I like this movie. That's you, oh no, does Hustle count? If Hustle count, Hustle I thought was more of a drama, but if if Hustle counts as a comedy, then 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 get out of the way. Hustle to me is one of my favorite movies of the year, so I would say Hustle. I have to say, I watched a trailer this morning before work that made me laugh. It stars. Uh, Richard Gere, Susan Sarandon, William Macy, and Diane Keaton. And it's about... It's that's about, an interesting cast. Yeah, right. And it's about a young couple that's getting married, and their parents haven't met each other. And it turns out that their set of parents is each having affairs with the other parents. Oh. Okay, I'm interested. And no, I, no, I, I, I don't know what it's called. I don't remember what it's called, 
but it, it looks farcical. And with those actors, I laughed out loud at this trailer. William H. Macy has, uh, he, there's well, a, yeah, oh, we, just watch the trailer. Oh, oh. It's, it's hilarious, dude. I thought it was, it, and we both, Elizabeth and I laughed out loud at the last line of the trailer that William H. Macy says. It's pretty funny. And I'm like, well, it made me think, where's, where's farcical comedies like this? All right, guys. Question is for you. It wasn't exactly a rich year. By the way, I should have probably also brought up Jackass Forever because I actually oh, yeah. laughed a lot. Ray, Ray, not so much, but Jackass Forever. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What was your favorite comedy of the year? For me, by far, it was the weird Al Yankovic so story. There so were a couple good. of other decent ones. What was the big one for you? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave us your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number four, shall we? Rob. What is our fourth main topic today? John, our fourth main topic comes to us from The Antagonistic Anonymous. Hey, crew. In an article by The Direct, Ant-Man 3 director Peyton Reed has explained how he's always felt that the previous Ant-Man films were palate cleansers after a gigantic event film like Avengers and now wants Ant-Man 3 to be the big Avengers-level film. John, I've been noticing from interviews of both Feige and Peyton Reed that they have been teasing this film as central to MCU and being Avengers level. So it's got me thinking about what can happen in this film. Major repercussions for the MCU or perhaps a fantastic family is brought to the <laughs> universe. What do you make of these statements, John? All right, Antagonistic Anonymous, thanks for sending that in. And yeah, listen, I am a big fan of the Ant-Man films. I particularly loved the first one. And the Ant-Man films to me have represented the gear changes. You know, I talk about this a lot. You have a lot of diminishing returns. You can't have every single movie in your cinematic universe being save the universe, save the universe, save the universe. Universe is a peril again. The world's going to blow up. To, like, you can't always go that. You got to bring it down, change gears. Every once in a while, you got to save the neighborhood community center. Every once in a while, you have to save the girl. Every once in a while, you got to save the guy. And Ant-Man was that to me. It was about a guy trying to save his family. And I love that. It was charming. It was fun. Ant-Man 2, I still really liked. Not as much as the first one, but I had a very, very good time with it. So now we're heading into Ant-Man 3. And it's coming at a very interesting time in the history of the MCU, right? This, this transitioning into Phase 5. Not a lot of people know what the overall story of the MCU is at and all that kind of stuff. But we got Kang. So what does that mean? Well... Peyton Reed is saying this is an Avengers kind of movie, not like one of the smaller ones. This comes to us from the folks over at Geek Tyrant who wrote this. In a recent interview with Entertainment Weekly, director Peyton Reed talked about he how he was ready to make a meaningful Marvel movie in the same vein as one of the Avengers movies. People felt like, oh, these are fun little palate cleansers after a gigantic Avengers movie, talking about the other Ant-Man movies. For this third one, I said, I don't want to be the palate cleanser anymore. I want to be the big Avengers movie. When I asked if Reed kicked in, uh, uh, kicked in Marvel bosses Kevin Feige's door when he decided to make this declaration, Reed said, I did. I metaphorically kicked in Kevin Feige's door. And you know what? I don't think Peyton Reed is wrong. And there's nothing wrong with the fact that the Ant-Man movies, to me, were palate cleansers. I think having those in there is a part of what makes the MCU or has made the MCU really wonderful is that it mixes it up. They vary it up in MMA terminology. They change levels. I love that. And I, in that degree, I think the Ant-Man films have been incredibly valuable to the MCU and really fun. But going into this one, I've kind of mentioned this before, but I'll say it again. And I believe this wholeheartedly. This 
Ant-Man movie is going to be absolutely pivotal to the MCU. Because, Rob, you and I have speculated this before, but I'll put this out there now. One of the big complaints about Phase 4, besides the fact that it's just not as good as any of the other phases in the MCU so far, is that a lot of people are like, listen, we went through all this Phase 4, and we don't even know what the general idea of the MCU is anymore. Like, we had a couple of interesting standalone movies, some not-so-good standalone things, one or two good MCU shows, a couple not-so-good, whatever. What's the connection? What's going on? What are we building up to? Kevin Feige said a couple of months ago, it's all going to become clear soon. Well, I think soon is Ant-Man. I think Ant-Man becomes the film that defines for us what is phases four or five, what is leading up to Avengers Secret Wars, what is the whole thing. I think it's all coming together in Ant-Man. I think all the questions will be answered as far as general setting and the direction we're going. I think we're going to get a lot of interesting insight, maybe even a change of perception about what has every movie in the MCU phase four actually been whether it's a revelation of Ms. Marvel's bangles or the Eternals themselves or Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings or what's going on. I, I just feel like, and I couldn't tell you what it's going to be, but I think Ant-Man is going to be the film that like three or four years from now we look back on and say, that's where things really got going was this Ant-Man Quantumania movie. So I don't think you're wrong antagonistic anonymous. I think this is going to be maybe the most significant MCU film since Endgame. So anyway, Rob, we've been talking about this for a long time now. Ant-Man is getting close. We're close to it now. What kind of significance do you think? And Peyton Reed saying, this is going to be my Avengers level movie. Well, I mean, obviously, clearly from the trailers, looks like a different, very different movie from the first. And like you, I, I, I've loved the Ant-Man movies. And they're also basically lighthearted heist comedies. You know, there's a lot of humor in those movies. Oh, too. I love them. Ant-Man 1 ends on a girl's train track set in her bedroom. You know, that big battle, it was incredible. I mean, sometimes... And Ant-Man 2 starts with a, with a cushion for it and a cardboard box for uh, it. I uh, loved it. Unbelievable. I, I, I love those movies. I love the cast. However, like you, I think that this movie has a lot of heavy lifting to do because it's going to be setting the stage for... I think this movie's going to be huge. And I think what's really telling is the trailers have been visually interesting, but there's been very little in terms of what the movie's about. Oh, very other, little. We need another other, trailer. Yeah, well, other than the people getting sucked into the quantum realm and Kang being in it, I love the fact we don't know anything about this movie. And it's kind of like the trailers for Infinity War and Endgame. I get a little feeling like it's interesting to look at, but we don't know jack all about what this movie's about. Not, and I think they're going to keep it that way because there's, I think there's a lot of revelations. I think there's a lot of surprises. I think there's a lot of stuff we haven't seen. I don't know if the Fantastic Four is going to be there, even though that's what I've been speculating for a long time. But I think this movie, and what's great about it is if you think about what comes after, we've got Guardians of the Galaxy. So we're going to, this movie's going to leave us on some huge cliffhanger. I don't mean necessarily like dun 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 but it the, the ramifications are going to be huge and then you jump to guardians of the galaxy which is about them it's got, not going to have much to do with this at all then marvel the marvels is going to pick up with this but then we're going to be off to the races whatever and this thing is going to be i think people are going to be surprised by this and we're going to be left breathless by it. and we were just talking about this it is again according to you know the american ticket buying site fandango when they did the survey with fans the number three most anticipated movie of the year right now for them so that's interesting. Christian, 
You know, uh, Rob is mentioning and taking this also mentioned it that maybe the fantastic family shows up here i don't think they will uh, i think that would have meant they had to have been cast like a year and a half ago and they were shooting this but could fantastic four pop up and is this going to be a truly pivotal movie or will it just be another next chapter what do you think well, as far as the question is could they show up i don't think that the cast themselves could show up could a mention could something along the, sure, the way that they yeah. mentioned like dr strange earlier on in the mcu and then you know Something like that, uh, sure, that's always possible. Um, do I think it'll be pivotal? Yes. And one of the major reasons, you, as you talked about before, with the, if you wanted to say that this was the year of, say, Paul Dano, right? Next year is the, the year of Jonathan Majors um, with Creed oh. and with this. Um, I think he's already on his way to becoming a massive star. I think next year is is where we we just crown him the next big star because he's he's done it the right way. Well, Devotion didn't do so well. But I do love him. Well, we're not. I think we're not. Great. We're not. In, devotion should have come out in about a year and a half from now. Yeah. Or two years from now, and and then it would have done a lot better because people haven't seen him in these other two movies yet. He's right. not the star that he's going to be soon. Um, he's he's a great talent, but he's not the star he's about to be. He's an, it's incredible. He just has that thing about him. Um, but one of the major reasons that they need this movie to be pivotal is because you can't assume that everybody has watched Loki. You can't assume that everybody knows who Kang is or who you know who, who this is yet. This is his. This is him establishing. You've got to make if you're going to make him the next Thanos. You're going to make him the next big bad. You got to establish why he's the next big bad, and something big's got to happen. And in order to do that, so even there's a couple lines that he says that you've seen in footage, whether it's D23 or uh, Comic Con, that he says um, that's kind of sets that up. That this is going to be something. He's he's going to do something in a third movie in a franchise in Ant Man. Something major is going to happen. Um, the same way that in Guardians Three, something major is going to happen. I agree with both of you guys. I think Guardians Three is more of a, a more about them. It's going to close out that that loop, but this is going to establish more so into what's our threat because we don't have one yet. We just have a lot of things happening in Phase Four. There's no big threat yet. This is our threat. I think that there's going to be cameos in this movie that we haven't even begun to conceive of mm. because Kang says. I've killed you before. You know, he talks about Have I killed Avengers. you before? Yeah. I'm willing to bet that we see some of that happen. That we see maybe Avengers characters that are no longer with us get killed again. In Ant-Man, anything that's going to happen? Yes. I'm just so I tired of doing that now. We're, we're always wrong. I want to throw something to Christian here. So Rob has a theory that I think has a, a lot of merit. Yeah. Rob has a theory, and I want to know what you think about this and if we could see this come to fruition in Ant-Man. Rob's theory of phase four so far that, you know, at CinemaCon, Kevin Feige called this the the uh, multiverse, what do you call it? The saga. multiverse saga, yeah. right? Even had an add-on to that effect. Rob's theory is that every movie we've seen in the MCU in phase four has actually been in a different universe. Yeah. Like, not just one different universe, but each individual film has been in a completely different universe from each other. And maybe in Ant-Man 3, with Kang being there, we see that revealed. What probability do you give that theory? I like the theory, but it's, it would be confusing to some people. I think also I'd say 10, 15% um, that's possible. I think that if you look at it, not the entire universe, because everyone's talking about Eternals at the end. It's like, where the hell's that big thing sticking out? Nobody's, nobody's seen that big, that big dude. Where is he? And then they did show in a newspaper article in She-Hulk for like a split second. So yeah. clearly that exists in that universe. So like, then they'd have to explain, well, that part of it, that part of it, if it's if all of phase four is one different universe, maybe, but then they still have a lot of explaining to do overall. It, it's, it's, it's too tricky. I think for general audiences. So I'm going to say pretty low. All right, guys. Question is for you. 
What do you think about this? We're getting close because what is it, Taylor? It's a February release date yeah. for Ant-Man. It's not. We got it coming up in February. It is upon us. How significant do you think? Not how good or bad do you think the movie will be, but as far as its role in the MCU right now, do you think it's going to be a pretty pivotal role? Or do you think it'll be, pardon me, more like the other Ant-Man films that were just really great, more self-contained stories? What do you think is going to happen here? Whatever your thoughts are, jump into the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, we are now going to move over and start taking your live comments and questions. If you have a live comment or question for the show, we are now opening up the Super Chats. Go ahead and start firing those in. Now, understand we're only going to leave the Super Chats open for just a couple of minutes. So get those thoughts, theories, and questions in quickly. Now, before we get to those questions that you guys are sending in, we want to take another break here and thank two more of the sponsors of our show, DraftKings and our friends at Mint Mobile. Hey guys, we want to take a second and thank one of the sponsors of this video, DraftKings. This time of year, everyone's excited for the holiday spirit, but what about all the basketball? When it's time to throw down on the NBA action, it's got to be with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Plus, everyone can combine multiple bets for a bigger payout with DraftKings same game parlays. Just download the DraftKings app, use the code CAMPIA, place a $5 pregame Moneyline bet on any NBA team to win, and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code CAMPIA only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877 877- Seven eight hope ny or text hope ny four six seven three six nine eligibility and deposit restrictions apply bonuses issued as free bets eligibility in terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms guys we want to thank a sponsor of this video mint mobile this holiday season the best deal in wireless can only be found at mint mobile right now when you switch to mint mobile and buy any three-month plan you get another three months for free. Mint Mobile lets you order and activate from home with eSIM while saving tons on phone plans starting at just $15 a month. You guys know I've been using Mint Mobile long before this holiday deal and I have to say it is the perfect time to switch. I have absolutely loved using Mint Mobile and like I've told you guys many times, I am now spending less than one third of what I used to spend under one of the other major mobile carriers. And now with the whole buy three months, get three months free deal, it's even better. All of their plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and switch easily and effortlessly with eSIM. Or if you need a new device, for a limited time, get six months of free service when you buy a select device and plan. So guys, for a limited time, buy any three-month Mint Mobile plan and get three more months for free by going to mintmobile.com campia. That's mintmobile.com mintmobile.com slash campia. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia. And thank you to our friends at DraftKings and Mint Mobile for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. Remember, guys, when you support our sponsors like Me Undies, like Manscaped and DraftKings and, of course, Mint Mobile, you're actually supporting us here on the show. Go down to the description of this video and you'll see right near the top all the links and promo codes for our sponsors. And again, thank you to DraftKings and Mint Mobile. All right, guys. 
With that down, let's get over to your live comments and questions you guys have been firing in. Rob, what do we got? John, let's see. We got Sam Fisher sending in a super chat. Rob, is that an Indiana Jones jacket? Uh, no, this is a Snake Plissken jacket, if oh. anything. But uh, it was just an old jacket I had in my closet for like 20 years. And then a couple of years ago, I dragged it out and started wearing it while I stream. And everyone loves it. Um, all right. Also, I think we missed one there from Jay Bling. Uh, Jay Bling says, maybe the Fantastic Four shows up as silhouettes. Huh? Yeah, they could. Yeah. yeah, maybe. I think they're gonna find him in jail. I'm telling you, they've been there since the '60s. All right, what's next? Uh, Amin says, Christian, I just wanted to say, great interview with Diego Luna. Yeah, we were looking S at that. So happy that you were able to get him for the studio just to chat Star Wars. Yeah, it was great. Um, so it's on. It's actually on the channel right now. He was awesome. Really great. Shout out to um, the Perry Nemiroff who helped uh, coordinate that. But it was. It was. He was great. Also, I asked him for about Fantastic Four, by the way. Um, really? Yes, I did. Um, and to no one's surprise, he gave it, his answer actually was interesting. He said uh, basically along the lines, he's like, it's amazing how these rumors get started and when you're in it and everything, too. He's like, but the one thing I'll say about it is I'm locked up for the next two years. He's like, and I don't know what I'm going to be doing in, in two years anyway, if it's even film. Now, that doesn't say yes or no to anything. It just says that if there is going to be anything in front, that's why if it is him, there's no chance he's going to show up in Ant-Man. Yeah. Right? Yeah, Tell so. me you asked him about the terminal. I know. You know what? I thought about you afterwards. Come on, bro. No, but you know what? I did ask him for, for, for the conversation we've had many times over. Remember the rumor about Darth Vader um, that he killed everybody before? Remember in that earlier draft of, of Rogue One? It was, oh, the rumor right, was yeah. that Darth Vader killed everyone. I asked him about that. And he, he gives a pretty great answer. So I'm not spoiling it here. You got to watch it on, on my interview. <laughs> All right. What's next? Uh, Bruce Lum says, hello, John and crew. Great show as always. If Aquaman 2 does well, would it be possible to isolate him in his own universe like Matt Reeves' Batman and having his own adventures? Thanks and bring on the filthy. No, I don't think so. I, I mean, look, so what we are leaving out of these questions is what's to say the next Aquaman won't be significantly better received and have better results and all this kind of stuff. It, it, it all depends on what Gunn's plan. Look, we're all speculating in the dark because we don't know exactly what James Gunn has planned in Peter Saffron. We, we just don't know. We're waiting to find out. Um, so I, I don't think, that, look, it's always a question. What if the next one makes $5 billion? Well, okay, we can play that theory game, but guess what? They've been working on that kind of operational theorizing for the past five years. And it hasn't worked out so well for them. So I, I honestly don't think. I expect Aquaman 2 to do well. I expect it to do well. But I don't think that changes anything. I expect The Flash to do well, but I don't expect that to change anything. So we'll see. All right, what's next? Dumbrodor says, Gunn said Batman and Superman are crucial to his DC universe and both seem to be getting solo films. Would Gunn eventually attempt another Batman Superman film? I, yes, but it won't be called Batman versus Superman. It'll become it'll be called World's Finest. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. It'll be World's Finest. Um, so uh, yeah, you you have to have you got to have Batman. You got to have Superman. You got to have them together. Hell, I, I've even said, Rob, you know, I both said, start with a Justice League movie. They're not going to. It doesn't look like. But I'd be perfectly good if they just start right out of the gate with a Justice League movie or or whatever. Clearly, we don't have to do origin stories again. We've had plenty of origin stories. It sounds like James Gunn's new movie is going to start with him already working at the Daily Planet. We don't need another Superman origin story. But uh, yeah, he's. I don't know, Christian, do you think we're going to see a Batman Superman movie again? 
Uh, I agree with you guys. I think World's Finest is probably the way to go, but I think that you like Superman will be the first one out the gate because I think right now there's a there's a want for Superman, and yes, you're going to have to bandage it up, the, the Henry Cavill stuff, and the poor actor who comes in as Superman is going to have to hear all the Henry Cavill was better, no matter who it is, even if you know they have a tr tremendous performance. But you focus on that Superman first. Let Matt Reeves' Batman breathe a little bit, and if you give this thing, if this is the long game, give it time before we get another like if it's a batman standalone movie give it time and if you bring him into world's finest after s establishing the new superman that's a good way to do it can you imagine a buddy cop movie with batman and superman like a lethal weapon 2 with that kind of fun and that kind of humor no Really? <laughs> yeah, no. I, I can't. With that kind of attitude, where they're both having a kind of a good time solving, well, turn a crime. into super pets. Well, I mean, no, but you, you make it cool. I, Midnight I, Run. I don't think you can do a straight up comedy. Yeah, no, I'm like, not saying like a Lethal Weapon. I'm not saying a, it's a comedy uh, or 48 Hours. I, I don't mean it would be a comedy, but but something that's fun. You know, like the fun. The, the, yes, like more of more of like a Guardians of the Galaxy, but with Lethal Weapon too. That kind of. You piss people off if you do that, though. Not if it's good. I mean, like if James Gunn doing something like that, people will get pissed off. I don't know. I mean, like it, it depends on, like if you do it, as in the fun kind of Guardians of the Galaxy two fun. Yes, if you do it more in the slither fun. No, no, maybe no. That I don't works. mean like no. It's a serious. I mean, it, it's but it has a real stakes, like something like Back to the Future. Where you're fighting against his own, ex Marty McFly has to preserve his own existence, but it's still fun. Right. I, listen, I always think there has to be room for fun in every comic book movie. You have yeah. to have something that, that by fun, I don't mean Thor, Love, and I'm Thunder talking, fun. No, I mean, I'm talking like, tonally, it's, 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 it, it lives up to the title World's Finest. Right. All right. What's next? That's what I want to see. Arse Gravy says, if they ever do a remake of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, I think it should start Chris Rock and John C. Riley. <laughs> Sure. I mean, X actor and X role. I mean, uh, th those are two funny dudes. I'm sure they do very well together in any comedy you put them in. All right. What's next? Uh, Trevor sends in a $20 oh, super thank chat. thank you, Trevor. Appreciate that, man. Happy holidays, everyone. Have never seen any Yellowstone nor the spinoffs. Should I watch by release date or chronologically? Thanks for the great content year round. Um, well, what's? I think you just start with the core show, which is Yellowstone. Like what? Anne actually two days ago started watching Yellowstone. She's now on season two, episode seven, in just a couple of days. Wow! Uh, so she's been really getting into it, which is great. Where'd I, she I would find it. YouTube. Uh, yeah, well, I have YouTube TV, yeah. so I just go on YouTube TV, search Yellowstone. Okay. I watched it on Peacock. And yeah, it's the on first, Peacock. Yeah, the yeah. first seasons are on yeah. Peacock. All as the well. seasons, I believe so. Okay, well, look at that. So I mean, I would just say start with the core show. Once you get to the end of season three, then you can go and watch 1883 and maybe start watching uh, uh, 1923 as well. And then just keep going into season four with Yellowstone. All right. What's next? Motossum says Chippendale, best comedy of the year. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. A hundred percent. I'm so, I forgot about it. Did you see that movie? No. I, I did finally get around to seeing it. I loved that. It's film. good. It's hilarious. It's good. I still don't think it's as funny as uh weird. I never, no. I never saw weird. So oh, I can't okay. compare the two but of them. Chippendale. But yes. Chippendale. Great, 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 great suggestion. I'm so bummed that I, that I forgot that. Thank you for reminding us. All right. What's next? Amin says anyone else think Taylor looks like John Roca? No, he <laughs> looks like, um, uh, Dan Levy. Dan Levy, yeah. Yeah, yeah he looks, yeah. He looks more like Dan Levy. For whatever's yeah. going on with my hair today, I don't know. Actually, maybe it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> also, we got a... 
<laughs> we got Sam Fisher here too. Uh, all right. Orange Hand says for Robin Christian, if Lucasfilm had shot the sequel trilogy all at once, like Lord of the Rings, could three separate directors work, or is a single voice better? Well, I mean, look at the original Star Wars trilogy. You can absolutely have three separate directors on films and work. I, I think it behooves you to have one guiding voice like the original Star Wars trilogy. But absolutely, they had sit down and mapped out an absolute complete plan, then brought in storytellers to tell each of those stories. I think that absolutely could have worked. Guideline. As long as they had a guideline. Yeah. If it, yeah, if there was a guideline and a play and an overall treatment that they had from the from the first until the last. doesn't matter if it was how many different directors. Very similar to what we were talking about with the Patty Jenkins situation. Hey, Come on in. We have this plan. We need it to start here. We need it to end there. But you want to add some of your voice into it. You want to add some of your style into it. Please do. But it's got to start here. We need these moments to happen. And it's got to end here. That's basically the Marvel oh, format. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, at least the first couple phases. Yes. Um, yeah. So, yes, this is something that, that would have worked out tremendously. Because you can just, if you watch these movies now, you can just tell. They didn't know what the hell they were going to do from start to finish. They had no idea. So, that absolutely could have worked better it didn't matter if it was one one voice three voices as long as there was a plan it would have worked significantly better yeah a lot, I, I think it's funny a lot of people today still don't realize that george lucas did not direct all three of the original star wars movies they were each directed by a different person but george yeah, lucas was kind of going in kind of well yeah <laughs> empire <laughs> was the most one he yes. had least involved yes. in shooting jedi he pretty much destroyed, yeah. all right what's next Pablo Zuniga says, having Harloff on means I will recommend Arthur yes. Christmas a second time this month. Love that movie. Which one is that again? Arthur Christmas is a movie that came out in, I think it was 2011. It was a very underrated animated film that Alice and I raved about everywhere we went for the longest it's time. It's Ardman animation. Right? Yeah, it's and I just the, it's it just watched it recently with Gromit. my kids. It's, it no, it's not Wallace and Gromit. It's not? Uh-uh. But it's... um. I mean, it's, but it's from you the know, same company. Maybe, but it's not the same. I don't think it's not the same uh, type of animation style. But either way, it's it's a, it's it's a really good underrated Christmas movie. I highly recommend it. All right, what's next? Al Renshaw says Ray is the funniest person on the crew. <laughs> Damn it! Has John seen? Send me your scripts. <laughs> laugh out loud. <laughs> Hashtag Army of Ray. Oh my God! Uh, yeah, I please have not don't seen know this. that anymore. God. I love it. It's like. Chris, oh, I am great. No. You made this. Yeah. Oh, I have God. not seen this. During the, during he threw the, this at me yesterday. Yeah, Come on, man. <laughs> oh my Sorry, God! I it's love pretty amazing. <laughs> Please do not follow his advice here. Please so, don't do Rob, that. Rob, just so you know, I put that up on Weekly Hero yesterday, and since then, multiple people have messaged me. They're working on scripts just to send to you. So you're welcome. <laughs> send me. And he reads them all. Yeah. No, no, no. That's all he does. He comes in reading scripts, reads them all day. <laughs> We're just kidding. He's amazing. It's okay. All right. Go watch my movie Tango Shalom on Peacock. Do that. Then I maybe might think about reading a synopsis. Mike's Movie Madness says, this is Paul Dano's year, and he may finally snag an Oscar nomination. I'd love it if you got two nominations for the Batman and Fablemans. But if you were voting, which role would you nominate him for? You know, this is going to sound funny. Um, What I thought he did in the Batman was incredible his his riddler was i i i think it belongs in the conversation with i'm, I'm not saying it's better than or but i'm thinking it, it belongs in the conversation with with heath ledger's joker i thought what he did in that movie was incredible i thought his performance in fablemans was even better mm-hmm. i finally got around to watching fablemans last week oh, so uh, you saw it too right oh that that movie is yeah, it's really, really good. good. And it's long, and I made it through it. Yeah, it, it's it's a long <laughs> film. 
But, oh, my God. There's a scene in it where him and Michelle, his, his wife in the film, are trying to explain a very difficult thing to their kids. And I'm watching this, and I'm my heart was breaking. Yeah. Like, my heart was breaking. And even at the end, like... It's remarkable. I hope he gets a nomination for Fablemans. That, I really, really hope can he does. I, yeah, I just finished it last night. Oh, can I say one thing? That, that I can't watch that movie again. It's like there's something about it where it touches on a lot of life moments that you may have experienced that you yeah. relive. And it's it's a good it's a good watch. I mean, it, but it hurts. Yeah, no, for sure. It's, it's, one, terminal, it's one of Spielberg's right? best. No. It's one of Spielberg's best for yeah. in, a, in a in a long time. You can tell how personal it was for sure. But Paul Dano, the reason why I agree with you that I th I mean. What he does in the Batman is extraordinary. I've seen him go that route before. I've seen him in whether it was the um, was prisoners and and oh, he's so good and, in prisoners and, and not the same role, but he can go to that dark place. He can yeah. we, know, we know that he can go there. What he did in the Fablemans was just show how versatile of an actor he really is. Because it's like a Paul Dano, the guy who plays the creepy guys all the time, is going to play like the love the, like the dad with like yeah, he did, and he believed every second of it. He's he, that good. He is. Maybe he should have been there all the time, this whole time. He's becoming, for me, I, I think the most underrated actor in the world is Ben Foster. I, I just don't, that, that dude is a talent level that does not get the recognition or a lot of the roles that he deserves to get. But Paul Dano is going to have to be in that conversation because when you look at things like, what was the one about the Beatles? Um, Beach Boys. What's that? Beach Boys. Be, or, sorry, not yeah. Beatles, Beach Boys. Same thing. Yeah. So th there, was, there was that one. Obviously, There Will Be Blood, which unfortunately for Paul Dano, just happened to be the greatest male performance in the history of film, in my opinion, with Daniel Day-Lewis, you know, uh, playing Daniel, uh, playing view in that. But he maybe should have won an Oscar for that. Now you're just this year alone, you're looking at his role in the Fablemans, you look at him in the Batman. This guy, he might be the best actor today that nobody talks about. I mean, it's just, he's remarkable. Anyway, all right, Incredible. what's next? Matt Boyle says, I just watched the Cannonball Run and nice. Porky's for the first time last Jeez. night. I haven't laughed that hard in a long time. Man, you could never make Porky's today. Nah. No, no. And, and honestly, I don't know that Porky's would work as well today. No. But I, I just don't think it would work as well. To, but I'm, I'm telling you, I remember as a, I don't know how I got my hands on it, but as a child watching Porky's. What's like the amount of stuff we were able to watch in the '80s now, as opposed to what yeah. kids watch, it's in, it's incredible. I was just thinking about that earlier today because our right. parents didn't know. No, they didn't know we were watching. No, and the, and the rating system was still being developed. Yeah, let's say no. All right, what's next? I it just dawned on me what this meant. I just got a flashback. Yeah. <laughs> oh, CJ Re Rebirth says, "Tell that to Conjure Club." I don't. I don't think Ellis is ever going to live that. Day. Never. Like like never. Absolutely never. Well, he will he, be Kanji Club forever. He. The guy is a spitting image of. Okay. Yeah, he is. Like he gets so mad. He, he doesn't anymore. He's no. he's 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 owned up to it I now. Know. But yeah, for a while he was getting he was getting tired of it. I think I <laughs> couple like I think it was like a couple years ago, I was in Vegas, and I got a message from Ellis that letting me know he was actually in Vegas at the same time, and he was performing at. Uh, Dude from Everyone Loves Ray. Yeah, it's uh, Brad Garrett's. Brad Garrett's yeah. Comedy yeah. Club yeah. at the MGM, yeah. right? Yeah, he does that often. <laughs> and and I went there, so I I went by to go watch his show. And by the way, it shouldn't surprise me, he killed yeah. that night. He absolutely killed. But I, I briefly texted with him afterwards because I couldn't stick around for yeah. after the show. Yeah, there it is. Mark Ellis, I mean, ladies and gentlemen, in the Star Wars universe. It's insane. But I couldn't stick around to Chowton because I had to get going, but we texted afterwards and he said, 
Yeah, one of the guys literally came up to me and said, Kenji Club guy. I'm like, no, no. Right. Has <laughs> he recorded his next comedy special? That he, he was- did. Yeah, he did. He filmed it a couple of weeks ago. It was um, it was really really good. He did two uh, he did two two shows and um, and he took he took much needed time off and now he's just chilling. I really liked his first special. Yeah, this one this one's really good. He's been working really hard. That's great. I can't wait to see it. Who the fuck cares? Uh, what's <laughs> I care. <laughs> All right, what's uh, Al Renshaw says? If Ant Man three is an Avengers level film, does this increase the likelihood that Fantastic Four or maybe? Someone like Iron Lad, Young Kang, or Hyperion could appear? Question no. You, I mean, look, the, the reality right now is nobody gives a shit about Iron Lad. Nobody gives, like right now, right now, nobody cares about that. So I don't <clears> think <throat> introducing elements like that would make it. I, I think it's going to be the pivotal nature of the movie. It's, I don't think it's going to be an Avengers level movie that says, look at all the fun cameos we have. I don't, I don't, if that was the case, Doctor Strange would have been, Doctor Strange Multiverse Madness would have been the thing. But, no, it's the absolute. I think the whole understanding of where we're at in the MCU is going to be is going to pivot upon this movie. Nobody That's even knows I mean. who Kang is. Yeah, nobody. I mean, knows they, who they Kang haven't. Right now. It, yeah. it, not yet. And and all this stuff, the Council of Kangs, Iron Lad, all they don't know. They will. All right. What's next? Uh, Mike's Movie Madness says, "Hey Christian, what's Tatooine's number one kid show? Yo, Jabba Jabba." <laughs> Thank you. Good night. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a that's a that's hot off dad joke right there. That's yeah. not. I'll give like that, that one the drum shot. That's pretty good. Yeah, that one was pretty good. Pretty well good. done. All right, what's next? A Marcellus says my top five are Super Mario, Ant Man three, Op oh Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer. John Wick four, and Dune two. Honorable mentions for the Flash, not because I like Ezra, but because I want to see if this movie will cause the DCEU reboot. There is the. The person who is going to, who's not directly connected to the situation, but the person not absolutely directly connected to the situation that I think is going to be the one who suffers and has suffered the biggest brunt of all the Ezra Miller hijinks is, is Andy Muschietti. Yep. Because, and I feel so bad for this guy because everything we have heard is that Andy Muschietti made a really good Flash movie or Batman Flashpoint, as I like to call it. Um, and so I... I really hope they have Ezra Miller locked up somewhere with a big, you know, uh, what's called Hannibal Lecter kind of muzzle put over his mouth so he can't do anything more to detract away. And I, and I hope Andy Muschietti gets some really good laurels for this. I hope he does. If the movie is as good as we hear it is, but we'll find out. All right, what's next? Uh, Josh Becker says, funny thing, I saw so many kids going to see Avatar, and it was the quietest I have ever even seen kids be in a movie theater. I was amazed. Uh, Again, we're going to do an open spoiler discussion for Avatar The Way of Water tomorrow. But I'll I'll just say right now, I saw it last night, finally. My first 3D movie in like five years. 3D was fine. You can totally watch it without 3D. It was fine, though. The movie's extraordinary. I, I just mentioned, I just watched Fableman's last week and I was talking to Rob on the phone last night and I said, you know, when I go from watching Fableman's and you see in this, this young Steven Spielberg in Fableman's and you see his imagination exploding, seeing these images and the way the, the magic of movies. And then I was sitting there last night watching Avatar The Way of Water. I'm like, I had that, I felt like little Steven Spielberg watching the screen for the first time. Like I, my imagination exploded. It's a phenomenal, remarkable movie going experience. It's just, it's the magic of the movies. 
this Avatar film is the magic of the movies. And I absolutely love it. But we'll talk more about it on the open spoiler discussion tomorrow. All right. What's next? Dumb bro door says Elon Musk is no longer competing against Facebook or Instagram with Twitter. His main competition now is MySpace. I, I don't know what that's a reference to. Probably that it's trying to stay stay afloat, stay relevant. Stay, oh you know. yeah. Well, I, you saw what happened the other day. I, look, he, I have a lot of respect for Elon Musk. I drive a couple of his cars. I love his cars. But man, from banning journalists to banning links, they even banned people for putting up links to their fa- Facebook page or something like that. You weren't allowed to put in any links to Facebook, Instagram, uh, Mastodon. Any other any other social media platform, and not only would your post be removed, they actually some people had their accounts suspended because they put up a link to a story on Facebook or something. Then they quickly walked it back. I I don't know. It's it's that Twitter's turning into a dumpster fire. And and now, did you see what he did? He put up a poll. Should I step down as the guy yeah, running yeah. Twitter? And everyone said yes. And he said, I'll I don't think by he it. was expecting that. No, right? no. And then it's, he put up a tweet saying, "Be careful what you wish for." I'm yeah. like, okay, well, come well, on, Elon, just I. Get back to running. I think that he thinks Tesla. a little bit more like there's a split. There are people who definitely like him. And there's a lot of people who don't. And I don't think he was expecting when he went on to Dave Chappelle's show. His day brought him up. He's like, and he was expecting oh, yeah. to get this hero's welcome. And they booed the piss out of him. And for he minutes for minutes. And he was like, oh, maybe everyone doesn't love me. And it's, and I think that that same thing happened in that Twitter poll. Well, go I, back to changing the world. Be able he he's he made rockets land yeah, go to from space, outer space land at, uh, on barges well, I, in the water. I, I love the, the, the whole like one of the things they rolled out. I it, they haven't perfected it yet. It has a long way to go. But the whole thing when they were introducing, instead of throwing solar panels on your roof, we will make your roof one entire solar panel. Like right. that the tiles on roofs yeah. are solar panels. I love what he's doing with renewable yeah. energy. Why is he focusing on that? Politics ruins everything, man. He wanted to start getting political and he went and that's what happened. Yeah. Oh, just get back to doing the stuff you do so well, man. Anyway, all right, what's next? Quentin Tarantina Turner says, Ray, you are the goat. That graphic of Rob is Chef's Kiss. Great. Really Put great. it up one more time. Ray, send that to me. I love that image. All right, what's next? What, can't I spell? Victor Rodriguez says, well, he just sends in a super chat. Thanks, oh, thank Victor. you, Victor. Appreciate, Appreciate that, that. Sam Fisher says, I think Suicide Squad tweet is just gun being cheeky because the whole point of Suicide Squad is they can be recast and they all died at the end. But none of them have been recast. That's the thing. They, he actually hasn't actually recast anybody. Now, granted, you can say that um, I almost said uh, uh, Ezra Miller's, not Ezra Miller, um, um, why am I freezing on his name? Who? Uh, From what? Heimdall. Uh, oh, Idris, oh, Idris Elba. Idris Elba. You could say Idris Elba is a recast of the Will Smith character because they were very, very similar characters, right. but they are technically two separate DC characters. So they haven't actually done any recasting there yet, but they would be the easiest ones to do, especially since nobody saw Suicide Squad. God, oh, I love that movie. So good. It's so, so good. good. It's Starro, dude. That's all I have to do. <laughs> all right. Let's Attack of the Mushi. Says, how do you balance rewatching great older shows and movies with new ones? I find it a challenge to delegate. I'm on season one of Yellowstone currently, by the way. It it's it's not easy because I have a hard time just I think all of us as media fans, we we have a hard time just keeping up with what's mm-hmm. coming out, let alone making sure we we find time to go back and rewatch some really beloved stuff. It's it's not easy. And honestly, Part of the reason there's some stuff I get very late on watching or just choose not to watch at all 
is because I do want to keep time in my schedule to go back and be able to watch the things I already love. So it's it's tough. That's that's something not just for people like us who host shows like these. That's for all of us who are media fans. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a tough balance to find. All right, what's next? Chris Miner says, not a comedy, but I laughed the hardest in the menu. Menu's so good. Do you have a chance to check a menu yet? Not yet. It's so good. It's so good. And it and it just reestablishes to me the fact that Ray Fiennes is the best actor in the world who doesn't have an Oscar yet. I, I like Does he not have an Oscar? He doesn't have an Oscar. Wow, even for he was definitely nominated for Schindler's List, though, right? He had to have been. I don't I think, think he was nominated for Schindler's List. I think really? he, I think now Taylor looked this up for me. I think the only nomination, I could be totally wrong for this, is I think he got a nomination for English Patient. Oh yeah, I but think you're right. That might be the extent he had of it. To have got nominated for Schindler's List. I don't know what like what Oscar nominations does Ray Fiennes have? If if you're able to find that, Taylor, uh, just look on his IMDb page. You should uh, be able to find see. the awards link there. But anyway, for as Academy Awards, it says he was nominated in 1994 for Best Supporting Actor for Schindler's List and 1997 for Best Actor for The English Patient. Okay, so yeah. he did get a nomination for Schindler's yeah. List. I didn't realize that. So he's got two nominations, but the best actor in the world who doesn't have an Oscar right now. The guy's incredible. All right. What's next? Wow. The Batman oh. sent in a $400 super chat. It really is Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Oh, my it's God. It's the actual real-life Bruce Wayne. What the hell? But a Man, young that, Bruce Wayne, oh, admittedly. You know, he's got a great you. car. Thank you so much. That is incredible. I, You know, people say nobody like nobody supports free content. You know what? I have found my experience has been... People want to support the content they enjoy. So, uh, Batman... Thank you so much. I haven't even read your damn question, but dude, thank you so much for supporting the content you watch, participate in. That's incredibly generous of you. Thank you for supporting our show. All right, let's get what the Batman says. The Batman says. You know what? No, it'll just ruin the moment. Let's move on to the next question. (laughs) No, I'm I'm kidding. So, no, what does Batman say? Where's that pig? The Batman (laughs) says, well, after two years of watching the show in the middle of the day, I'm no longer a nocturnal animal. (laughs) I hope you have enjoyed my questions and opinions on the day-to-day show and topics. Well, Batman, honestly, well, we thank everybody who participates in our show by firing in questions, participating in the live chat with other viewers and stuff like that. Uh, that, is, that is great. So again, thank you so much. Thank you for being with us for a couple of years. Um, it's, uh, again, it's a great, pr- it's our honor every day to come in and do this show and get to engage with our fellow film and TV fans. So guys, thank you so much for supporting us, man. That's incredible. I also want to point out that all three of us did pick the Batman as the number one That's comic right. book movie on its own merit. That's true. Yes. Our opinions were not paid off. All right. He deserved it. Thank you again, man. So much. That's very, very generous. The rest of you, what's your problem? No, I'm just kidding. So thank you, Batman, very, very much. All right. What's oh, next? Following up, Ben Rayner with a $50 super God, chat. Ben, thank you so much, man. Appreciate that. Ben has always been one of our biggest supporters. Thank you, One ben. of our biggest supporters. Uh, ben says, hi, guys. Happy holidays. Here's a good question. Who has a better performance in their prospective movie? Angela Bassett in Wakanda Forever or Patrick Stewart in Logan? I still say he should have won for supporting actor. He should have been nominated. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll fall short of saying he should have won. But Patrick Stewart should have been nominated. And this is not just with my comic book movie bias. He should have been nominated for Best Supporting Actor in that movie. I'm still a little bit... I don't feel as strongly about that as I do that Andrew Garfield should have gotten a Best Supporting Actor nomination for Social Network. But it's probably my number two most... How the hell did he not get a Best Supporting Actor nomination thing ever? Um, so 
Angela Bassett is fantastic in Wakanda Forever. She should get a nomination. I would say Patrick Stewart's and Logan just a little bit above that. Mm -hmm. I know. What do you think? Same. Just by a little. Yeah, just by just a little. By a little. Yeah. Uh, Angela Bassett, to me, though, has the most powerful performance in that in that Wakanda Forever. For, absolutely. Absolutely. And she just, there's just so many moments that she chokes you up and you just, you can't keep your eyes off her no matter every single bit of dialogue. But there's just something about what Patrick Stewart does in that. And after seeing him in that role for so long to see that version, it's a little bit of an unfair advantage that he has over Angela sure. Bassett. So I think that, but because of it, just by an inch. Rob, do you agree? You know, it's it's hard to say because it, it, I I'm a huge Angela Bassett fan, and it was there were different kinds of performances. They were, and I think that Patrick Stewart was playing a man in in terrible pain. You know, he he was losing his mental faculties, and that was a really rough thing for a guy like Patrick Stewart to play. I don't know. I don't know if I could pick one or the other, man. They were both great. Both great. All right, what's next? Uh, Thank also, you. Ben. Just welcoming Dennis Novosel to the actor level membership. Oh, thank you, man. Very much, dude. Uh, <laughs> Jaquin Chapman says, who had the worst loss, the Colts or the Patriots? Suck it. Uh, I, will, I will tell you it was the Patriots, and here's why it was the Patriots. While, for those of you who don't know, the Indiana Colts, Indianapolis Colts just lost to the biggest comeback in NFL history as the Minnesota Vikings were losing to the Indianapolis Colts 33 to nothing halfway through the third quarter. So it's not like even that was like an early lead. It was halfway through the third quarter. <laughs> the Colts are up 33 to nothing. Wow. wow. And the they had the biggest choke in the history. But the Patriots loss was the game was tied with seconds left in the game. And all the Patriots had to do was take a knee and the game would go to overtime. Instead, they ran a draw play, which is perfectly acceptable play to run. And the runner gained about 25 yards and thought, I don't know, maybe this can go in for a touchdown. So he lateraled it to another player who then decided it was a great idea to throw a 20-yard cross-field backwards pass to the quarterback who ain't exactly the flash and is going to sprint 75 yards down the field for a touchdown anyway. Seconds left in the game, decides he, who's not a quarterback, to throw this long cross-field backwards pass to the quarterback it gets intercepted with zeros on the clock and the Raider guy who intercepted it runs it back for a touchdown and they wow. win the game. And here's why that was the bigger choke. Because the Colts have no playoff aspirations. They're out of the playoffs. It was a relevant game for them. The Patriots are in a playoff hunt. And losing that game like that on the biggest boneheaded thing ever, because it's not like even the other team beat them. They beat themselves. So while the Colts, biggest choke job in history, it was meaningless. Patriots may have lost a playoff spot because of that. We, we don't know. There's still more games to play, but that was the bigger choke. To go, Giants. Can the Giants. Go, go Giants, he says. Go Giants. And you know, Speaking of Giants and, and Tom Brady, what is Tom about choking job? The Buccaneers this weekend also, five straight possessions that they turned the ball over. Mm -hmm. five, I've never seen that happen before. Never have before. And yet they are still first place in their division. That's and Brady. we're probably going to make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. All right. It was a crazy weekend in the NFL, man. Absolutely crazy weekend in the NFL. All right. What's next? Uh, Jim Bednars sends in a super chat. And thank Elwin Rejekin says sends in a super chat. All right. Thank you so much for that, guys. And guys, 
That'll do it for today's installment of the John Campia Show. Thank you so much for being here and being a part of our day. By the way, uh, a little bit later this afternoon at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, Rob and I will be doing an open mic, and we hope that you will come back. By the way, uh, Brooke is going to be joining us for that one as well, so make sure you guys come back and join us for that. And again, tomorrow will be uh, another episode of the John Campia Show, plus our avatar, the Way of Water open spoiler discussion, will be later in the afternoon tomorrow. So, guys... Thank you to everyone, especially those of you who sent in those super chats. Uh, the Batman, thank you so much. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported our channel as you did it. And all of us involved with the show, thank you guys so very much for your support. So for everybody in the room, of course, we got Robert Meyer Burnett. Uh, we've got Christian Harloff's joining us today. Make sure you go and check out his interview with Diego Luna, by the way, guys. A lot of interesting things in there. Ray Orr has been joining us back there, running the show, of course, Jonathan Boyko. And right beside him with his Shrek, we got Taylor there. <laughs> my name's John Campy, guys. Thanks a lot for being here. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.